out that way And the course of a lifetime runs Over and over again No, I would not give you false hope now On the strange and mournful day But the mother and child reunite Is only emotional It's only 
and welcome. Happy Friday. I'm Global Val here with Diamond Dave, and you're listening to MutinyRadio.fm. We are the Common Thread Collective here every Friday at Mutiny Radio from 3 to 6. If you want to come down and join us, it is a community open door, open mic, and we're here at the corner of 21st and Florida Streets, 2781 21st Street. And uh, Dave just unplugged my headphones, so I can't hear anything right now. Uh, <laughs> but this is live radio, and you know, we kind of roll with it. Thank you very much for the reconnection. I appreciate that. Um, so, Dave, we want to introduce, and then uh, what's going to happen today, or what we what we think is going to happen, and then I'll play Ubi Doobie. That's exactly right. Right now, I have now I've sat in his office, and now he's sitting in ours. I'm talking about John Avalos, district election, soon to be termed out, and we're we're kind of dancing down the I say dancing down the corner, the, the dancing down the ribbon of time, the path they had lit by the echo behind. And we'll be kind of doing that and let the conversation flow. And so, John, it's so good to have you here. I can't believe it. It's so good to see you it's here. It's great to in be this here. atmosphere. It's been a long time since I've sit, sat in this seat. Was that was that here when I was, or was that when, uh, when I, Jeremy had the League of Pissed Off Voters? I was actually, the last time I was here was December after I was elected, before I was a supervisor, well, and it was Andy was yeah. and Jeremy, and you were here, actually. Yeah, exactly, I remember. And we welcomed you. Welcomed you, and that was two terms ago. Almost two terms ago, and we'll talk about that. But meanwhile, here's my son Ubi. He opens the show.
Thanks, Ubi, for letting us know. Everything's going to be all right. Happy Friday. It's April 8th, 2016. And uh, here we are at Mutiny Radio. And uh, Diamond Dave, uh, before the break, introduced our guest, our first guest today, Supervisor John Avalos hey, from John. District 11. Um, and you've been in office. This is your, your eighth year. My eighth year in office. Oh it's unbelievable. Goodness. I never thought How I'd time get flies. here. It's gone by <laughs> in a split second. <laughs> well, I guess everything happens. Uh, there's so much going on in San Francisco. You never really get any downtime, right? <laughs> I don't, but I make some downtime. Yeah, it depends what you I, mean by downtime. Well, I mean downtime and at City Hall. I uh, no, it's it's always you know moving at a fast clip there. I, although I I actually try and take a pretty relaxed approach there and you not do. get uh, not sweat things out too much and you've learned this practice may not make perfect but it does make better well I and you've learned to rely you got jeremy and you have jeremy there you have francis there you have people who certainly by this time know what they're doing and can lend a hand if uh -huh. and beth is there and beth as well uh -huh. beth i can see i can see i've never really gotten a chance to know her like of course francis and jeremy i've known for a long long time they're friends of mine and then beth uh, chimes in i can see she's highly intelligent and so you have this going on this going on which if there is any chance to downtime that would help you get it but mm -hmm. now i want to talk a bit i want to say everything is good so i want to say everything is going to be all right there john because you're about to make a big change and you're still in your 50s is that right i'm still i'm, I'm in my early 50s and you're, well that's my son uh -huh. ubi he turned 50. uh-huh so you're the same age as my son well, look, it's i just turned there. 52. well you're looking at young. so you have some time ahead to think about where and figure out what it is you want to do mm -hmm. my whole life's ahead of me exactly my whole life's pretty much behind me at 78 but i'm ready to to uh to be ready to live it to the fullest because what came to me of course you've heard the lines i think i think i said in my in your office i've said it uh, i learned to love love to learn this never ends I said, that's right that's where we are but anyway uh, so i remember when you first came in and that was uh, that was eight years ago and, I was nervous. Uh, well, you were. Well, I, well it, was, uh, it was an unknown quantity, and now it's uh, more or less a known quantity. You know what's expected. You know where to go to sit. You've learned how to uh, be able to have all that sitting time. Sit. I, I remember uh, my first day before getting sworn in and walking into Eric Marr's office, and we were having the whole discussion about the board president. And I looked at him, and he looked at me, and we both looked really scared. Well, that, was, <laughs> that was his first time, too? That was his first time, too. Yeah. Well, of course, Eric. Wow. Who came in with you? So Eric came in with you. Uh, uh, you came in. David John, Campos. And Campos, of course. And uh, David Chu. And Chu, but Chu is who didn't, uh, who didn't stay way. with us. He's gone. Yeah. No, he didn't. Yeah. You guys, but your your collective, to if I can call it that, began to emerge then. Uh huh. Because I'm sure you guys talked about your various backgrounds, like Eric Mars with the Chinese Progressive Association, and the role that could play, and the Filipino community also uh, progressive and down mm -hmm. politicized mm -hmm. and has their own. Uh, I don't want to call any names, but they are like any names of any famous people anyway, but you know what I'm talking about. They have their style, and you and, and they knew how to support one another. Mm -hmm. Eric Mara's brother, of course, a long-time Gordon. Uh, Gordon of the Chinese Progressive Association. So you begin to see that you're not alone, mm -hmm. that you're bringing communities. Mm -hmm. But I go back. That we come from someplace. Yeah, that we come from these, and these communities could merge. I mean, you can't see it, all folks out there, but I'm taking my fingers and going like this about emerging, merging to emerge. It, inter emerging interweaving to, his interweaving, fingers yeah. to show that. Uh, uh, now, you're, now you're all 
on your way. But I go back. Let me give you a little background because I want to do it. I go back. Used to broadcast live every Monday. Sitting in that, uh, we had a we had a what, phone line in. We had a mic there, and sitting there in the reporters' gallery. Mm-hmm. I'd be there every Monday. And this is before district elections. And his name is uh, Ron Pelosi. Have you heard these names? This is back in the day. Yeah, I'm talking about back in the day for me, really, for you, really. Back, back in the, the day, day with Ron Pelosi. Mendelssohn. Jack Morrison. Now his wife is still around, and for a long time she alone. Uh-huh, Jane uh, Morrison. Jane Morrison. But Jack was alone holding up the uh, progressive banner. Always his vote was alone, but his vote is would that right? be, be your vote. He could lift up. These are, this is the, uh, what we call the hills and the hate. He was like the Tom Amiano of the... Well, no, he was... Uh, before then, 50s, But he was, was very, he was progressive politically, Morrison. He's no comedian. He was a serious progressive, was Jack Morrison. Mm-hmm. Sometimes voting alone. But there, and he's from the hills. Uh, myself and Calvin... And some of the other people you know were down at the Flatlands, we called it. We had 409 Clayton. Have you heard of that? Four, it was our no. political center, 409 Clayton, 409 House. And that's where we could come anytime and hang out. Is that Calvin's Calvin house? house? No, it wasn't his house. It was a, it was a, it was a first called drop-in center. The Episcopalians had gotten it for that uh, summer of love. They had gotten it, uh, uh, they'd gotten it to help smooth people on their bad trips. That's up the hill from Haight? Like just that, that no, it was right, uh, right down on the bottom, between between Page and Eighth Street. Okay. It was between Page and uh, Oak, 409 Clayton. Uh-huh. That's where we had our Saturday meetings. Uh, that's where Jay Morrison, Jack Morrison. I think he was about to pass, or he did. But Jack Morrison, Sue Bierman, you know. I do. Well, she lived up, up the hill there, yeah. Yeah, Sue up the hill, and she was the one. She kind of, uh, uh, she became, kind of picked up the banner of Jack Morrison. Mm. And then there's a lawyer, John Dearman black lawyer, black judge, and his wife, who's an activist. They all lived up in the hills. Mm-hmm. We were down on the flatlands. I had taken Calvin on his first walk around. He came back from Africa. His first walk about when he came back. He knew he wanted to do something. He knew he had something going on. It was like taking... And what about, year is this? This must have been uh, uh, 1970, 69 or 70. Uh-huh. And then we began to talk and bring people in. Uh, Bob Covington, have you heard that name? I have. I well, Covington was over here in Ingleside. He was an Afro-American guy. By, by football, he was trying to, But he had gotten this idea of an independent black, uh, but in the Ingleside, Ingleside. And so we came together there at 409 House. And I was doing the broadcast of Board of Supervisors. And we began to talk there. And I do, I do the, we do the first hour. Oh, and also that black who, was, who kind of like, there's a, who had been men for many years, this is before, this is before, uh, this is before you uh, you could get termed out. What was his name? He represented the Fillmore. Well, this is before district elections, but he was a black supervisor. For Terry many. Francois? Yeah, Terry Francois. He had been there for years. And Francois, to me, kind of established that tradition of a, of a conservative, black, Afro-American, but at the same time, conservative uh, uh, supervisor. You know what I mean? I mean, I mean, and now we have this tradition, kind of. Yeah, we seem to have that now. Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> well it was, uh, it was, uh, it was Terry Francois that really established, uh-huh. and his connections. Was he with, like an Amos Brown? No, he wasn't. Well, he was not. He wasn't preacher. Yeah. He was a politician. Amos definitely had his back. 
The black church had his back. Mm -hmm. The conservative black church. Yeah, uh, that's Amos. The, yeah, Amos, the Afro-Episcopalian church had his back. And now there's a radical, a radical condition who would run for supervisor, but they never win. I'm talking about Arnold Townsend before he became the Reverend Arnold Townsend. I'm talking about Wade Woods, who he, we were all back at Waypack, who ran for supervisor back then, now is running for the Democratic Central Committee. He said, I hadn't seen him for years, but he sat in that chair. And they, they would run, but the Terry Francois would always win. Mm. Because they had, it's like uh, today with, uh, in a sense, it's like today with, uh, with, uh, with, uh, with the burn and with, uh, with the Bernie, where she has an Afro-American vote, right? Uh-huh. And, uh, and Bernie has a wide, radical, progressive vote. Mm -hmm. And uh, this was a similar vote. Did you hear uh, Bill Clinton defending his legacy with the African-American community? Well, I heard that, they, that Black, uh, Black Lives Matter came there, and he had to. He spoke right up to him. And yeah. They spoke up to him, and he said, is that just yesterday before, wasn't it? I think it was yesterday day before. Yeah, it was very Clinton-esque um, to be able to talk about all the things you did in lieu or in, in the opposite direction of the things you did that were terrible. Yeah, because um, their thing, of course, is that that's when— uh, It's just total triangulation. Yeah, well, that was when uh, the idea of uh, uh, the, the, uh, what Angela Davis called the prison, prison industrial complex. That was Clinton, and they came up to talk about that. But he's ready to stand up. I don't think uh, uh, I don't know what they're going to do with Trump, and what's, it's just incredible. But well, let's talk a bit. So yeah. So Dave, you were talking about how you used to broadcast from the board of supervisors. That's right. Right. Is that in, on KPU? On KPU. Each uh, and every. What Monday, was what was I the said. format of that? Well, the format was we had a um, we had a phone line in and uh, plugged into the sound system. It was before, before video, any of that. Just before, early seven, in the sound system, and also had a mic right here. I did it with another brother. What's his name? I'm trying to think of his name, but we would do it. and We have a mic right here, so when they took a break and so on, we could make our comments. <laughs> and of course, I would talk about uh, very soon about the community congress. And I started this thing an hour before, where we'd be on, and I called the the twelfth member. I wasn't too humble. The 12th member, where we could get people from the community and so on to talk about why they were at the Board of Supervisors, what they had hoped for would happen, and they could come on the hour before. Also, I'd say, hey, Mendelssohn, hey, Pelosi, come on over here. And they would come, Terry one, and they'd come over there and give their own take on things. But of course, of course, live on the radio. Live on the radio. Oh, wow. KPO eighty nine point five on the FM dial. That'd be kind of cool. And you had a good audience. And well, I think we're yeah. the only ones doing it. Yeah. And the people really uh, wanted to hear. Who had various issues? Who weren't able to come down that day? Who had other things? We didn't do this before podcasting, by the way. Mm -hmm. You had to listen live, and before streaming, and before podcasting. So you have to listen eighty nine point five on the FM side. But it was cool. And they'd come this before district elections. So we began talking about that. Uh, Covington was a strong member of Calvin. There's a picture at 409 House. It was a picture of 409 House that was in the Sunday paper in the magazine section called The People Behind District Elections. Have you ever seen that picture? It's a big one. No. Sitting on the steps of 409 House. Covington's there. A lot of people are gone now. Uh, uh, was it the lawyer, Nancy? She always comes when there's some housing, a housing issue or something and talks. She's a lawyer. She's a good friend of Calvin's. She's an older lady now. Uh, but she was part of it. Uh -huh. But there's a handful of people. 
that began that whole process right there at 409 House, out of OK, which came district elections. And I was broadcasting the room, so I could talk about it. When I talked about it, I didn't want to uh, push it too much, because we had Harry anyway and Amos Brown and all that. But what I talked about was the emerging community congress, which we then broadcasted live on KPOO. See, this is history. This is way back. This is history. And we broadcasted that live. And a couple hundred people came. It really was well represented. First, we had a whole series of uh, neighborhood, uh, neighborhood and district meetings. Then we had the community congress. Where was it? Fuck. Fuck, where was it? The community congress. And it was well represented. Because the idea of the community congress was to draw the lines. At that time, there were no lines. And lines turned out to be different. Uh, so what year did the districts actually get drawn up? Well, that was that was 1971 or 72. Yeah. Am I right? Hmm. It got drawn get, up, I think. Um, well, the first district elections was in 77. Was it? No, I think it was that late. But they were they were drafted before then. Yeah, first we mm-hmm. tried to get on the ballot, didn't get enough signatures. Then we t- tried to get on the ballot, got enough signatures, but lost. But each time we built it, community congress. Oh, they were the same uh, district uh, boundaries? As Not the, the same as today. No, yeah. it was no I, I mean, from the original attempt to get them passed. I think so, because okay. that, that came at uh, district elections. And the first one, the heat that was together with the Castro. So that was Harvey Milk. That was Harvey Milk. I hear Calvin Welch has uh, a stained glass window with a map. Dis- the first district election. He boundaries. could well have it. Yeah. If he's got, that's, he's got a house. He's got. He lives. So District Eight was uh, was was Harvey Milk and yeah, was that eight? And it, Terrence Helen. Terrence well, Helen ran and lost. Yeah. But we were back, back at Harvey because we see, could see the importance of bringing the Castro and they and Harvey had done some real work on it. Uh, I was uh, I got a staff job as the as the staff person for what came through was the coalition to register it seems like it's a hundred thousand voters maybe it's a hundred thousand voters but we had all these and i'd be there on saturday and do training at that time you had to be trained to be a registrar at registers so they got they went out and they'd register democrats they'd register anybody but everybody knew that um, the, the, the money came at that time no longer is true the money came through the democratic central committee they had a real. That's that's what they did. Essentially, was 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 act as a uh, as a tunnel silo. What's the word? Funnel. Funnel for the money. Thank you, sister. For the money. Thank you. Funnel. That's the word. Thank you. For the for the uh, I would for the uh, money that came in from the Nationalist Democratic Central Committee for voter registrations. So we were able to pay a dollar. For every unregistered Democrat, we registered everybody, but everybody unregistered Democrat, we registered. So people could actually get some money for going out there and registering voters. Harvey Milk used to take up four or five books, he had these books, to his camera store. And he'd come back with them all, with them all filled in, and he'd, he'd turn the money back, he turned the money back to the campaign. Hmm. But that was his base, his camera store, right there at Market and Castro. Mm-hmm. And he began registering voters. He began to get the guy. He, he was the one in the Castro, really had the idea that, 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 that this gay community is coming up, and the best thing that could exist best by forming coalitions 
with the black community, the brown community, mm -hmm. all the ones that emerged. Mm -hmm. And it took that emerge, it took a while for it to emerge. We lost district elections, as you know, for a while, and then got it back with new districts, different districts. So, so Dave, another, uh, and John, so another word for funneling money out to different, uh, in, in a more legislative way, would be allocating money. And I know. <laughs> well, and, I think funnel. Right, for sure, funneling for in that regard. But um, speaking of, you know, district elections, and, and we've got John Avalos here from District 11. Um, John, what, what kind of, I mean, you've been in office for eight years, but, and, and during that time, you also ran for mayor. Um, you, you got a lot of votes for mayor of just a few years ago, not in the past election, but the election prior to that came in second place um, when uh, there was the run-ed run um, uh, campaign. Um, so what, what made you want to um, become a supervisor of, dis of your district, and how is your district changed in the past eight years? Mm. Good question. Remember, <coughs> this is District 11. This is a district that's called Excelsior. It's all north of, uh, north of, uh, uh, north so of the Daly City. Uh, yeah, down to Daly City. South of 280. And, uh, yeah, just keep on going down and you'll soon be in the, where's the boundary between, uh, between David's district and your district? Is it a little past Bernal? Is that right? It's, uh, 280. Okay, 280, between, perfect. Between, right, David, between District 9 and District uh, uh, 11, it's 280, and then it's also um, Madison between the Portal and Excelsior District. Hmm. So I, um, I first, um, I was a community organizer and a labor organizer and, and a social worker, had that experience before getting to City Hall as a legislative aide. I had first uh, looked at City Hall back in around 96, and I was an intern for my social work uh, MSW program at Coleman Advocates for Children and Youth, and uh, my assignment there was to write a, um, a report card. F through A, or A through F, on the Board of Supervisors and how they took care of children, youth, and families. So I got to, like, you know, learn about the Board of Supervisors, how they worked, and I got to interview some members of the Board of Supervisors and their staff. the meetings, watching what they do and what... I went to a few meetings. I didn't go to a lot. I mean, and... So I saw, uh, I, I found I actually got to really, really like Tom Amiano at that time. I saw, I saw him as a politician who really um, actually was not necessarily the, your typical politician, someone who was more down to earth and had a people's program and people's platform. Um, and I thought, oh, this sounds kind of, Fernando Marti, this sounds kind of, this looks like kind of a cool you know, thing, and I never really thought I would do it, but I thought, you know, it's, you know, we need to have good people in office like Tom Amiano. There's so few of them in office. Um, then in 99, Amiano was running for mayor uh, against Willie Brown, and he, he uh, after a few days of voting for the, the general election count, he came up in second place. Willie Brown didn't have 50% to win, and uh, we're off to the races for the month of November uh, to elect Tom Amiano. Uh, I got to spend about three days, like, being in the same room, car, you know, editorial board meetings at the Chronicle with Amiano, and I was really excited about doing that. Um, district elections happened a year after that. Tom lost. Um, Willie Brown won. And uh, that whole effort, though, to actually try to elect Amiano was very unifying for progressives in San Francisco that used that progressive unity to actually win district elections and take uh, the Board of Supervisors that was all filled with 
Willie Brown appointees to uh, independent progressive members. Elections and brought it back. I mean, it was the first year we had it back. Thanks to that. And of course, that's connected directly to what we were talking about, about Harvey Milk and Harvey Milk's understanding that the gay community can't stand alone. We have to build, uh, uh, we have to build, uh, we have to build uh, alliances with the other communities. And that's what he was all about. Yeah. He knew that from the beginning. And that's why well, we had an effort around winning the district, 11, district elections in 2000 that was, was building that unity. We actually worked <coughs> across uh, districts to build that unity. Here in the mission was ground zero for a lot of the uh, displacement that was happening, especially with the dot-com um, and the live work lofts that were coming in. A lot of evictions were happening. And it was seemed to be like the focal point of the, whole, the entire city that was kind of galvanized to uh, resist the displacement. And that led to people fanning out across all of the city to actually make sure that we would elect independent members of the Board of Supervisors. I didn't run that year. I didn't think I, I wasn't even thinking about running. I supported Gerardo Sandoval. Um, and then when Gerardo was actually out of, moving out of office after his term limits, um, I, I had some experience at City Hall. I worked at City Hall at the time. Um, I saw who was running and um, I come up from community organizing and trying to build that coalition unity among different or, different communities and uh, racial unity, ethnic unity, <clears throat> cultural unity. About. Gerardo wasn't about that. The person who was replacing Gerardo, uh, who wanted to replace him, who was the heir apparent, um, not because he, Gerardo was supporting him, was this guy named Asha Safai. And uh, Asha, I looked at him, I was like, oh no, you can't be the one to represent District 11. And no one else was running that I could believe in. Julio Ramos uh, was jumping in, and I couldn't support him. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to think I'm throw my hat in here. Uh, and I had had a lot Let's of experience about City Hall. I had experience in the community. I had experience in labor. I knew how City Hall worked. I knew how to, you know, organize in the community to, you know, get policies changed at City Hall. And I was like, you know, ready to go. Uh, and uh, I had a really thrilling uh, time campaigning in District 11. Um, I'd already had, you know, nine years that I lived there. Uh, I knew my way around. I knew, you know, different community uh, groups and had a volunteer base that was really uh, super uh, charged and energized. And my whole idea is like, you know, District 11's been, you know, here, we've had the same kind of conservative leaders forever. Uh, my theory of change is like, those conservative leaders are not gonna make change happen, but we have to actually, you know, organize and build, you know, new voices, people of color, working class people to actually make City Hall work for us. And that was what my campaign was about. And then the here, right here in this district, you had David Campos, who was jumping in. A lot of, a lot of the people here to his left uh, the, was uh, supported our brother who's now gone. Uh, uh, Campos, who ran to the left of Campos? Uh, uh, of Campos, Eric, Eric Casada. Casada. Casada had his roots. And Mark Sanchez ran. Yeah, but, uh, but, uh, but it was Casada, really, who had the roots, had the kind of things you're talking about. But it was Campos, who was up here on the hill, and Casada got a lot of, but Campos, that was uh, where Campos first got elected as well. Is that, am I right? Uh, that's right. That's and, right. And that's where Eric Meyer, whose background was in the Chinese community, mm -hmm. Chinese progressive community. So you guys, uh, you guys, you three, uh, and Casada was he was already not too good. But you three represented a new generation coming into the board. Am I right? Uh, that's right. And uh, nominally, uh, David Chu, he came in with that same feeling nominally, that he was going to be part of that as well. Uh, but that didn't have what it did. It happened for a year and a half. Exactly. I remember because I was playing, paying fairly close attention. 
Because I go back, as I say, I go back to the first district election, before the first district elections. The people first got together for that. That included uh, Bob Cummington, I mentioned, Calvin Welch, uh, Rene Castanet, and a handful of some others who got that together and continued with it. And you can see how, like, uh, to go back, I'm gonna, uh, you're right, uh, let's keep going forward. I could get obsessed with what happened in the event. But let me go. Because you had Helen Ant, whose roots was in the old progressive community, and ran against, uh, ran against, uh, ran against uh, Harvey Milk. Harvey Milk, but Harvey was connected with the new progressive community. There was a, there was a gap between like Welch and the people in the Flatlands and Sue Bierman, and uh, and Sue Bierman, and so that connection. So Harvey, so Harvey Milk was triumphant. Did Sue Bierman support Harvey Milk? I believe so. I mean, yeah. she was, we all met every Saturday. We called it the Saturday meeting. Oh where we kick things around and smoke the good. But that was back in the days where no meeting was held. It's before it got too powerful, if you know what I mean. And so he could, anyway, it was part I of what we did. I the district where Dan White came from. Oh, my God, you did. Well, That's Dan right. White, he had uh, the Excelsior and I believe Visitation Valley in San right. Bruno. I remember him when the first time, because Capu again, we were doing Meet Your, meet your Candidates. And I was there on the board, on the um, panel. Do you mind if, uh, on the panel uh, that, that day? And I saw Dan White. And I looked at this dude, and I looked at, I, I was with, uh, uh, we looked at each other, and I just shook my head. This guy is over the top. There's something so weird about this Dan White. Did you meet him before? Oh, no, I wasn't here in the city. Uh, okay. I, I didn't, he died, and he killed himself in 84. Well, this is when I first met him. I got to the city. In it, was, uh, it was called, uh, it was called, my mic jump, but it was called Meet Your, meet your Candidates. And we had all the candidates uh, for, and, uh, for uh, by district. Yeah. And he was there. And I looked at him, and the guy who, who eventually sat down in that chair was to his left, was also a, a radical and reformist and aggressive guy. But he was there, he ran, and Dan White beat him. But then after all that happened, he won the next election. Do you remember his name? He I was the generation before. Do not. Remember. But he was definitely part of that flow you, you were part of. He won the next general uh, election? After Dan White. Uh, after Dan White. Or he was appointed after Dan White. I don't know if he was appointed uh, or not, but he was there. I, he may have been. He, she might have just appointed him because it was yeah. in a state of total chaos. There. Yeah, Diane Feinstein and he came, appointed. And he came in second. Right. Which is the she's the only uh, woman who's been mayor of San Francisco, and she, you know, had to be appointed initially. And I was there <laughs> that day. I came up to broadcast. Uh, I called. I got this call from Capu. Get on down there. Something has happened. Dan White's killed uh, Harvey Milk and Moscone are dead. And I knew them both so well. Moscone and I were, anyway, I knew somebody, you know I am. <laughs> I am supposed to be a wild guy, but you know I am. Uh -huh. So I went running down there, and we plugged in the wire. Uh, we plugged in the wire. I got through, I just said, well, I'm with Capu, come on through. And plugged in the wire, and we went on there live that day, mm -hmm. the day that Harvey Milk mm -hmm. Oh, I almost forgot. How you, know? I, I, you know, I work at City Hall, and I'm, on the I'm a member of the Board of Supervisors, and I don't walk in that building without thinking of that history. Well, shoot. I remember, and we came out and said, uh, and she said, uh, uh, Harvey Milken, Mayor Moscone, who was really a sweet guy. I don't know if you met him. Mayor Moscone was the real deal, and uh, real deal. And, uh, I've heard. and the black community loved him. He was able to bring together both wings of the black community, Moscone. Um, and Terry Fenso would say, just have to say, okay. But he would bring it in. He'd go to the churches and talk. He'd go to the community. He even came to my house with all my kids running around. <laughs> and uh, 
Wow, this is heavy stuff. What have you, uh, I guess, what, what kind of uh, action have you seen uh, as a supervisor, sort of legislative action in the past eight years that you think has made a big impact on San Francisco, either for better or for worse? Um, maybe something kind of uh, significant that comes to mind in terms of changing city policies one way or the other? Uh, well, I think of uh, legislation. I think of I can think of thing I've, things I've done um, in terms of the local hiring ordinance that I thought was uh, really powerful in terms of ensuring that San Francisco residents had access to all the construction that's happening. It's publicly funded, and that's actually how it made a big difference, I believe, in a lot of people of color getting apprenticeship programs in different unions um, where that seemed to create a greater flow, especially because we've built so much in San Francisco. So I'm particularly you know, glad to see how that's worked and it's helped to build like a strong uh, training infrastructure in city government for this to happen. Um, I worked on the budget in 2009 and 2010. We had a $500 million budget deficit those years and uh, I felt like uh, we had to, there was a, a attempt by Gavin Newsom to change government remarkably to cut a lot of programs, especially programs for homeless people and low-income people, uh, housing programs. There was a lot of privatization that was being planned. They wanted to pro he wanted to privatize our health services and our jails. He wanted to privatize uh, security in our museums. He wanted to privatize the people who are janitors at City Hall and have a private contract to do all that work. It, was a bit of, it would have been a dramatic change. It would have been like the whole shock doctrine that Neil McCline talks about where you use uh, the deficit and the destruction that the deficit creates to make wholesale changes in how government works. Right. And, um, you know, I worked really hard to fight it back on that. And I think that change, uh, although not recognized, has made a huge difference in the continuity of, you know, low-income people's services in, in the city. Uh, and the city would be vastly different if we didn't fight back and organize inside, outside of uh, inside city government. And of course, on the outside, the pressure of the inside of city, city government to restore a lot of those programs and services. And to me, that was like, you know, a pretty watershed moment. That was my first year in office. So, wow. um, and then I think the other biggest change is a political change that happened. Um, in the election of 2010 that began in January 2011, sitting new members of the Board of Supervisors that included Scott Weiner, Mark Farrell, and Malia Cohen. Um, and London, and London uh, Breed? There, uh, London didn't come till later. Jane came in that moment. There was an effort to keep the president of the Board of Supervisors to be progressive, uh, and all we had to do was stay together. We would control the, the committees and control how City Hall worked, and uh, you know, uh, we wanted to change in board president and have David Chu switch to have someone else on the progressive side to be board president, but, but David Chu made a deal uh, with the moderates and basically gave the power to the moderates on the board of supervisors. And so you had from, I was chair of the budget committee two years in a row, not 2009, 2010. Our, our reprioritization of the mayor's budget uh, result in 2009 was $42 million, and in 2010 it was $40 million, and then the 
new budget chair who was conservative, Carmen Chu, and now Mark right. Farrell, uh, we have a budget restoration package of like $20 million tops. And so basically, over the past several years, we've approved the mayor's budget and haven't had a dynamic discussion about what direction the city, city should take uh, because we don't have the power in the committee to really make those changes. Hmm. Um, and that was a significant change. I saw when that deal was made um, and that David Chu, keeping David Chu to be board president and giving the mods of power, to me it was like the whole earth shifted on its axis. I mean, from an insider of city government, that's kind of what happened. It is. Uh, and so that to me changed everything for me about San Francisco. And uh, since that time, I've had to be, um, I haven't had the hammer approach or as be a, as blunt about, you know, legislation. It has to be much more, uh, you can't, you know, make it such dramatic change with legislation anymore it has to be much more um kind of finesse yeah, it's all kind of watered down and from the from the beginning chairman of the board before that mm -hmm. uh, matt gonzalez was a chairman peskin was a chairman i believe peskin was chairman he was he, uh -huh. he's the one who when i first had the idea for poems under the dome i came running down that's a great idea and i ran into his office aaron i have this idea let's have a mother of all open mics in city hall and he said let's do it and so the first procession we had down those steps that you've taken a few times uh, it was with aaron by my aaron. side and he always had a poem to read too a poem of his choice to read because of course aaron i first met i'm standing in front of uh, City Hall, this is before he was elected. I know I'm standing in front of what could be a Bicycle uh, uh, Lice bookstore. And the street was closed. It was the 50th anniversary or something like that of City Lice bookstore. And the street was closed. They closed Columbus. And I was out there. And I see, and I'm standing with his brother. And actually, I started a conversation. And he said, I'm Aaron Peskin. I'm running for a supervisor in this district. I really respect the poets because he's got, he got that. that I, was a, I was a relic of that generation of the beat poets of North Beach in 1957. And that, uh, then I, that was our first conversation, Aaron Peskin. Right. And then he said, this is my wife. And, he, he, and he, uh, he introduced me to her wife, and I saw she was really cool too, you know, Aaron's wife. Mm -hmm. Nancy Shannon. Yeah, Nancy, a highly mm -hmm. intelligent woman. And, that, and we had a conversation about the poets of North Beach. And then I get a call from him. He was having his first benefit down in his basement. Just at, it was just at Columbus uh, near Stanion, Stanson, I think. Could you come and do some poetry for my benefit? And I said, sure. And so that was his first benefit. That's Aaron Peskin representing North Beach. And, and uh, nice, we're both nice Jewish guys. I think that Peskin's a Jew, of course. He, He's Jewish. Anyway, uh, yeah, that Bernie, Bernie he says, the only guy to run for president who's not Jewish. I mean, he's not Christian. And I thought, what? Not Christian? Is he a Buddhist? I can see he's not observant. <laughs> that for a while. Thought, oh, he's a Jew. <laughs> it took me a while. Oh, he's a Jew. And uh, from Brooklyn, isn't from he? From Brooklyn, and, his, and in fact, his relations go back, same as mine, to Eastern Europe, to non-practicing Jews. My relations there, their religion, was not practicing. They left the chateau, which is the villages, the Jewish villages, ruled by the rabbi, kept kept down there in the middle of the And they got out, that generation got out to Minsk, got to Vilna and so on. That's our grandparents' generation then came here to work in the garment trades. And their religion was not Jehovah. Their religion was socialism, <laughs> Yiddish-speaking socialism. That's, uh, that's Bernie. They haven't got any, but that's Bernie's background. In fact, I just got... Uh, was that uh, Yiddish-speaking? My grandmother was Yiddish-speaking to the end of her life. Is that right? Broken English. 
And that's that generation they were. When they got together, they spoke in Yiddish. And they lived in the working class Jewish part of Minneapolis, the north side. And that's where my, my mother came out of. She, well, came out of Brooklyn on the north side of Minneapolis. And, uh, and it turns out that's Bernie's background. And let me tell you, it's it. Are we, am I, are we using too much time? I, I don't think so. Um, I think Rain's giving us a call in about 20 minutes. Oh, she is. Oh, she called. Yeah. Then so we have a call from some hey, more brother. Time. Here comes. This is where, as you can see, this show is a voice of all of this happening. But what did you say, both on the inside and the outside? So glad you're here, bro. Glad to be here. Uh, they, you know, uh, just do uh, just a chapter. So he's a Jew like me, not practicing Jew. I'm a Sufi, a Rumi. Well, look. In 1963, he was in a big crowd of black people when Martin Luther King had a dream there in Washington, D.C. He was there. I was there. He was there. I was there. He'd come all the way over. I came from the University of Minnesota, Dinkytown, Dillon, and he'd come from the uh, University of uh, Chicago to come there. There's little, there's little, little nodlets of uh, white people in the midst of this enormous crowd of colored people. And then in the late 50s, early 60s, Bernie... Wait, you you met him then? No, he was just he was just I just he was there. Somehow. He was there. He was yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. No, that would have been amazing. No, I'm not making it. Dave, you, I've I've heard people refer to you as a countercultural Forrest Gump. Well, I was because, there. Well, Forrest Gump never because spoke. you've you've been in all of these uh, kind of historic watershed moments. Watershed I, I, moments. I was there. So you know, I'm not surprised that. Uh, well, there's more to you've it. Got some more in three common. sentences. Okay. And then I look more. What in the late '50s, early '60s, Bernie was a member of the Young People's Socialist League. Yep, so we were called. We were the youth group of the Socialist Party. We are definitely not Marxist, Leninist, Trotskyists, so they tried to come over and take us over from time to time. They'd come over, Trotskyists, we're real revolutionaries, you know, blah, blah, blah. But Bernie was a member, late 50s, early 60s, in Chicago. I was here in Minneapolis and San Francisco, a member. I don't think we met. He was a young kid then. Remember, I'm 78, he's 74. He looks like an old man to me, but he's younger than I am. Do the man. And then in the uh, middle 60s, there was this great river of uh, march uh, every day in Chicago. River, I remember, I was standing in front of the city hall. It was just a whole river surrounding city hall in Chicago about segregation. And who was speaking but Martin Luther King? Who was there? I was there. Bernie was there. And there's two more. There's a few more of that. Too. So anyway, it's true. Bernie and I. Was, was Hillary there? I don't think so. She was yeah. down with kids. No, no. <laughs> Bernie, Bernie, even those days, he was a young... When he says he's a democratic socialist, that's what he means, and he was. He's not just a democrat philosopher. He was in the Socialist Party. I'd like to know more. He was in Yipso. We were to the left. We were called Yipso. Have you ever heard of that? The Young People's Socialist League. I've heard of the Young People's Socialist I didn't know it was Yeah, Yipso, there was a, the, well, the Trotskyists, various Trotsky groups, had their groups where they tied in, like, like the Young Socialist Alliance... That Socialist Workers' Party. They all had their small groups where they wanted to emulate and kind of confuse people. But we were the Democratic Socialists. Say, come on, but you're not going to. We're no vanguard. We're not a vanguard of, the, of anybody. You hear that? Mm -hmm. That's Bernie. That's Diamond Dave. Fuck yeah. Well, I just got to. <laughs> fuck yeah. There's so, other things, too. So, 
So, so John, you're being, uh, this is your last year in, in office here. You're being termed out. Um, what comes next? And, you know, I mean, I, I, from, you know, Aaron Peskin was, was a, on the board of supervisors and he got termed out and he ended up coming back. Um, what do you think your, uh, what's, what's your next, uh, stage look like, or do you know? I mean, I cert I certainly never know. I'm uh, working next. on it. I don't have, uh, I'm not sure yet where, where I'm going to land. I'm looking at labor organizations. Um, I'm looking at, uh, well, I shouldn't say out loud, but I'm looking at different labor organizations, uh, ones that are going to be very progressive, ones that are about movement building, that are working on working people issues, uniting communities. I want to play a role of uh, organizing at you know, the, the coalition level of, of work to actually, I want long-term people power in in. California in the, in the world and it's not uh, I've been I've been really uh, disappointed in how we have some of the structure to have that but we actually let uh, the moment get away you know take over and and don't do the long-term uh, building of power and connection that we can that we need to build to actually change the country and I want to be part of that so high level I could run again for office after I'm out of office I haven't uh, ruled out running for mayor again but if I'm out of office for a number of years that might not be an option for me but I'd like to keep myself in the mix of consideration for that I see Aaron from time to time after he got termed out the first time or after he left and he was uh, I said what are you doing Aaron well, he's working with various uh, Indian tribes in Nevada. Uh, water rights. Yeah, yeah, water rights and things like that. That's, he took that That's what he did before he, he was on the Board of Supervisors. Yeah, I wonder uh, that. Anyway, so uh, well, I just got this text. Let me read it because it fits in somehow. I just got this text. Who it is, I don't know. Hey, Diamond Dave. It's Tom. Following to with, following to the, volunteering with Bernie 2016. We got an important organizing rally in Burlingame on Sunday. April 10th, Trump to Trump to two. We'd love for you to be there. Can you join us? This may have gone out to many people. But there you go. It's all connected. I, I, and I'm, look, I want to start, as I say, uh, you're always welcome. And what we're about, as you can see, what we're doing here, look out here. Hey, people, we're a voice. We want to be, and I don't say the voice, but a voice of just that what you're talking about. And we're right here in the neighborhood. And all you have to do is walk to the door, and you're in. That sounds beautiful. And so I'll count you in. And what we do, I, 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 I think I text I'll come you. at uh, 12 o'clock on January 8th, 2017, right when I'm termed out of office. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we'll, we'll, have, we'll have a, we'll have a, a party for you. <laughs> Since you've been so kind to have parties for us in your office for Poems Under the Dome these past several oh, years. I love and, that. That's been great. Um, it's great to have um, you in City Hall, uh, you know, being there to welcome people. And The best uh, time was uh, was John Ross. Coming, oh, that was so beautiful. for that and torching and up I... in room 278, the conference room. <laughs> Fuck yeah. That's an infamous story. I wasn't there I, that I year. In. They were blazing. His son, his son is on the, can we talk about such a limitation with? His son's on the phone. I walk in, and his son say, "Dad is smoking a joint in the in the in City Hall." He like that to his mom, I guess. But dad, he's probably, he's probably had a lot of calls like that to his mom. Dad is, dad is, dad is gone. And uh, I looked, and I looked, and I said, well, and here's what I said. I said, I said, well, it's 4:20. Just go out in the balcony. I said, and then, and then just then, this lady comes 
in. She was saying she had a big smile on her face, and she looked around, and she was about to burst in laughter. She said, "No smoking in City Hall." We said, "Oh, we're sorry." <laughs> that was it. But you guys did did torch up, didn't you? Yeah, we were torched up. It yeah. went all the way into the. I heard it went all the way to the volunteer and right into the board. Uh huh. She was uh, the one at the board. I'm, I'm glad that. No one asked permission. And uh, well, I could ask permission. And no one got arrested. And no one hey, got hey, arrested. Hey, it was hey, even better. I talked that, to you. I told so yeah. bad when he told that, the story. That reminds hey. me of a, a party I had when I was a teenager, a big party with my mom out of town. And the police showed up. And I was like, oh, no, what's going to happen? And he said, oh, we don't mind having a party, but it's a fire hazard. <laughs> and I said, thank you, officer. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> so, Thanks. you know, there's, there's the good people-oriented side of, of law enforcement. As well. well, anyway, why, 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 can't, why rock the boat too much? She was just in there. She had to, uh, and what is? You're the one who said it. When I went up to you, oh, because uh, what's his name from uh, from the from the uh, from the San Francisco uh, Guardian? Tim Redman. Tim Redman. He was the one who told the story, and I just says he told that story to many times to the inner circle of people. You know, because he was so happy to be there, and he didn't say, "Well, I smoked." Anyway. Yeah. And I thought I and, went to you. And that was the celebration recently on Groundhog Day, um, where we mo- went over to the library and had a, a series of uh, tributes to you, Diamond Dave, because After, earlier uh, that day, John, you had uh, put through the, the proclamation for Diamond Dave Whitaker Day. That uh, was awesome. That was a lot yeah, of fun. Totally, I loved I watching that. And the proclamation is, is priceless. <laughs> and here we are. So, John, we're off. Uh, it a, threw it back in their face, but I said to myself, "Well, that isn't. It is. This is Scott Weiner wrote that. He signed it. These are my friends on City Hall. It looks like a collective process. In fact, Francis told me she wrote it, but different people wrote, wrote on it. And why shouldn't I embrace it? <laughs> and I did talk about the early days, first coming to, uh, first time I came into City Hall. I when they used to have, well, we, well I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna, we're about to end. We're about to say to be continued." When they had one side of uh, the the uh, one side of the customer seat, they this, I think that's what I talked and the customers and the and the and the participants and the observers that's the word I'm looking for. They had these ashtrays that you could pull out. They had these ashtrays you could uh, pull out and they'd be right there. And half the board would be smoking, half the <laughs> participants would be smoking. This before way back then. That's the early days before the Attorney General. Anyway. We'll be smoking up at the storm of the smoker side. Nobody thought anything of it. And there's various members of the board, I don't remember which, would be lighting up too. And smoker was just totally accepted. That's what I talked about. Yeah. Well, you see, uh, you see the Moscone, he was a big smoker. And when you see videos of him, there's like, or, or photographs of him, he's doing press conferences with a cigarette, you know, smoke wafting <laughs> up in front of him. And if you take the, the, city, the city, hard, city hall tour, because there's free tours of city hall every, every day. Um, at noon, I think at 10 and at noon, um, and you go down and, and get, you know, a historical tour of City Hall, and when you go into the, the chamber of the board of supervisors, they talk about, you know, all the, the wood that's in there, and when, the, and it's all kind of original stuff, but when they had to to work on the room um, many years ago now, they had, the, the walls were almost black because of the cigarettes. Is that smoke. right? So they had to do some really meticulous, like, you know, wood Restoration. wood cleaning of, of this wow. original wood. <laughs> it's that's kind of fun. when I stood up there to accept, I'm sorry. No, okay. no. It's then I, when I stood up there, I didn't know quite where I'd go. I was spontaneous as well. And my daughter was, anyway, so, but anyway, I stood up 
and I looked back, and that's what came to me, was that picture. It must have been 71, 72, maybe. Oh, I know when it was, before, even before. In fact, John Ross, this uh, this be a to-be-continued, because now you can put in your resume that you have a radio career. In fact, every Friday, you're welcome to be one of our correspondents. Okay, Take sounds great. Give us a report, and you can work on being, so you have, get some radio experience. How's that? And I'm sure Val will give you some hand. I'll bring my LP records. Right, oh, yeah, bring stuff. them. We, we can play those here. Okay. We can play everything. I, I didn't have time to collect it before I left uh, well, we the We got office the cloud. Today. We got out of the cloud. You bring your LP. We can do that. <laughs> We we do whatever, we got it down here. But any anyway, uh, oh, I went in with this because you took me back here too. When uh, now uh, now the, the, our last procession, I think it was a procession with uh, John Ross down the stairs at, at City Hall. Down the stairs, it was it was almost his. He was he was the featured poet that day. We had all this stuff. He had said, "Fuck no, I don't want you." But all of that happened. <laughs> With the smoking and the, and the guy, all of that happened. But we were going down the steps, and I stopped everybody, and I said, "Right here, in 1958, was where the was where where the Un-American Activities Committee. You've heard Uac. about that operation of House of Un-American Activities. Uh, UAC hearings. They had taken over. They just had to ask for it. Two years. They had taken over the Board of Supervisors and questioned some of San Francisco's best and brightest as to their, uh, have you ever been a member? with the Communist Party. All that, fuck yeah. And so the first time I was there, and there's just a couple handfuls of us, and we're behind like this, when, the, when these guys would take, uh, I would get blah, 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 fuck you, I'm standing my First Amendment rights, so you can kiss my ass, and we go like that. And that was just a couple handfuls, maybe 10 or 20 people. And they were brought, then they came the next year. I had already, I left the country. I was living in Israel in the kibbutz, where I turned 21. And they came the next year, and by that time the movement had grown. We had this political party, a radical political party that had won at UC called Slate. And they had, uh, the, all these nuts of radicals came, and they all came across the bay, plus our locals. I think Helen Ann was there. That was his thing, too. Anyway, Helen, but any of the locals, they filled up the, the, the Civic Center Plaza. As I remember. And then it's all in the movie. Have you seen the film? film? Berkeley in the 60s? Yeah. Yep. I think it's 50s. I well, that was, the, that, that, that was the, the beginning of the, in terms of the film, Berkeley in the 60s, the beginning of the 60s. Yeah, exactly. The film was the about the spring 50s. hosing people down. Yeah, and they uh, claimed that this, it was called Operation Abolition. They put it out. The HUAC, the House Un-American Activities Committee, put it out with the idea they were showing this communist conspiracy. But of course, we saw. I saw the University of Minnesota with Bob Dylan sitting right there, and we thought, "Whoa, this is amazing!" With the fire hoses, and this was just like a wall of water coming down those steps. And there, there, down those big ornate steps. Ornate road road steps, and people are uh, like this, and they're shouting. They've been shouting, "Let us in! Let us in! Let us in!" And so I'm walking out to John Ross to get us back to him. His last year, he was a feature poet, and I stopped everybody and talked about it. And then John said, and I'll never forget what he said. He looked around like that with that John Ross look. And he said, yep, this is where the 60s began. Wow. And I said, that's right. Wait, let us in, let us in. That uh, was the rallying cry of the police department when they were trying to get their budget 
restored back that I had cut really? at the Board of Supervisors. Wow. We had people from the community who had a line that snaked around City Hall, and the police thought because they're police officers, they don't have to get in line. And sure. they were banging on the door, yeah, the board chambers, they, and they were saying, they... let us in, let us in. And labor and community folks were on, in line saying, get in line, uh, get yeah, in line. Right, right. And my heart on the inside of City Hall was palpitating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you've had many, many opportunities for that. A couple to times he took over when the mission came to City Hall. That's right. You, you got to, I remember you was it, you, you had chicken and stuff. You, we fed everybody, isn't that right? That was the second time. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Supervisor John Avalos, District 11. And uh, you're always welcome to come on back here to the Common Thread Collective at Mutiny Radio and uh, in, in whatever, um, you know, anytime. I will return. All right. Well, thank you. I'm glad you got the afternoon away from City Hall. Uh, it's always good to t- good and healthy to take a break. <laughs> we'll see you soon. Um, and uh, so, yeah, you're listening to the Common Thread Collective here on Mutiny Radio. And I want to play a little music from a group called Hazy Loper. And this song is the first uh, track on their album Ghosts of Barbary and the tr- and the name of the song is called Last Night of the Earth. Thanks for tuning in. Every time I hear the darkness, lady. 
You're listening to the Common Thread Collective here on MutinyRadio.fm, broadcasting live from 21st in Florida in the Mission District of San Francisco. Come down and join us. Uh, and uh, we've also got a phone number here, 415-550-0511. And we're very lucky to have our friend Alexandria Rain on the phone all the way from Missoula, Montana. Luck has nothing to do with it. We're in the, we're in the loop together. We're in the spirit together. Hello. People call it luck. But I call it being in the spirit. Hey, Rain. Hey, Dave. We got another room full of people. Hey, everybody. Say yo. Hey. There's Felicia. <laughs> There's actually more people than that sounds like, actually. Yeah, come on, you guys. <laughs> what is it? I, I actually have a meeting. Bro. Well, anyway, Rain. I got my brother Fernando, and he's got his kids with him. Hey there. Hey there. Fernando is a lo- Fernando Marti is a longtime community activist around here. We just had John Avalos, the supervisor, who's on his way to something else and a good conversation. So we're talking about history, history and hipstery. But anyway, Rain, I was so glad to get that message from you to follow up. Tell uh, uh, tell us about it. Tell Val about it. It sounds like a very interesting uh, group of people who are planning something really unusual that's kind of bra- breaking the uh, the usual way things are by doing something else. So tell us a bit about that, will you? Oh, um, well, I wish I had the information right in front of me. Okay. I do know that it is called... Tribunals for the Rights of Nature, That's and it. there's one going to be taking place in San Francisco or outside of San Francisco. There's a special Bay Area community um, working on it, and I believe April 30th they're holding a tribunal, and I believe it's connected to um, the same kind of community activism that brought rights of nature into the constitution of um oh i man i wish i knew for certain but well, it's good I think uh, it's like venezuela or belize have incorporated the rights of nature into their um governmental constitution so if i was looking and, that up that's the coalition for the rights of nature and we're going to yeah. follow that up because and the tribunal for the rights of people oh, you found right? it. Yeah. yeah that's it and you found it so i want to uh no. Oh, I thought you did. Okay, but anyway, Rain, uh, the, the, it was uh, you're putting up the the rights of nature that it, uh, that occasioned me to speak to you, and uh, occasioned you to call back to call right now. It's been a while. It was so good to have you there uh, for to help kick off uh, uh, National Poetry Month last sure. week and to have you back. So, what are you about? What's going on around you? What's going on within your head, Rain? Tell the world. Oh. Well, I'm ever involved with the Outer Limits radio show that I put together with a small team here in Missoula. And um, if anybody's interested in checking that out, you can listen to us streaming live on the Internet on Saturdays 
um, 2 to 4 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, so 3 p- or 1 p.m. Uh, San Francisco. Um, and we put together a... Can you hear Multilateral sound bites um, about different topics. This week we're covering tax. We have a famous tax episode that we'll be sharing. Um, last week we talked about the free man on the land movement that's been kicked off by um, individuals in Montana and, and Canada trying to um, educate the community about um, how our constitution changed in, I think, like the 1860s and um, all sorts of different movements. And you can find an archive of our shows on Mixcloud. Go to mixcloud.com slash Outer Limits Radio Show. And I've also become really involved in a new community collective space called The Base here in Missoula. And... Um, it's a collaborative space that's open to all ages and abilities. Um, and I've been hosting poetry workshops every Monday since the beginning of February. And we have in, improv sports on Thursday night. And we're going to start yoga classes and community dinners. And it's just been a great, incredible space to be involved in bringing the community together. Well, I can feel, I know I, I know how, how amazing you are and how perfect you are for this kind of thing, but I have to say, too, a lot of it came when you came to San Francisco and we get to see the kind of things we're here doing. For instance, right here with Val mm. at Mutiny Radio, am I right? Yep. And I think I said to you, uh, hey, you need to get radio going there in Missoula. Is that right? Yes. And that is actually also another thing that's happening. Our community radio station is hoping to be live on the air at the end of this summer. So that's been a couple years in the work in the works and is coming together. Well, let's. I'll be back. I'm going to be back, passing through, and I'll be passing through on my way to the Rainbow Gathering in uh, the Green Mountains of Vermont. I'll stop in. We'll connect. We'll reconnect. We'll bring this together. Then I'll be back here. Uh, well, within a month or so, probably. I want to do, do it. I'll be back here. And again, we can uh, do more together than either of us can do uh, do on our own. Do you hear me, Rain? I hear you loud and clear. Fuck yeah, Rain. You hears me loud and clear. Well, it's so wonderful to hear your voice. And we got all these cool people. Everybody say hello, Rain. Hey. There we go. Now we're doing it. They're out of their slumber. They're down with it. Anyway, Rain, do you have anything you want to leave us with? Yes, I do. I was hoping I have two short poems, and then I have some a couple poems from another Missoulian who's no longer part of this physical world, and I was hoping oh, no. I could read um, a couple of those, too. Do you have, like, seven minutes for me? Seven? More or less? Seven or less. less than that. Yeah, we've got seven minutes for you. Cool. It probably won't even take that long. But um, so love these are a couple of my new poems that I've written just in my poetry workshops. Um, and here we go. Feeling with senses beneath the surface of things. Fingers and toes fall from form to east and west. They touch feathers fur, 
bone and blood, but pulse is gone. No longer the feeling, the meaning, they fail to grasp. The spines of the cactus pinpoint an entrance where form funnels back into feeling, where bioplasm incubates the rhythm of meaning. Material and ethereal stare each other down into waves that oscillate the reality of other shores, shaping the borders, changing the boundaries on either side of the river's multidimensional bedrock. <laughs> multidimensional bedrock. Is the first one for you. <laughs> Love it. And this second one was a fun um, play, uh, a fun like activity um, that was inspired by uh, Gabriel, who shared a poem last week. Um, this poem began by writing random words in random parts of the page, and then I kind of coerced them into something that made more sense. Borderless potential, designed eyes wide with artistry. Dig into benign tumors requesting transmutation. Timelessness left open like a doorway to slip through. Seize courageous spirit or suffer as steel beams melt beneath squeamish embarrassment. Yet reflections are enamored by filaments of uprooted awkwardness, carefully cultivated while no one watches. Giants are born from this wind-blown dust, lumbering consequences of belligerence unplanned, while fantastic foundations form trapezoidal paradigms unmanned and free to disassemble the puzzles as they're found. Rearranged pieces paint pictures never seen before. Universal peace loves diversity's question. Pause and listen. Possibilities thoughtfully unnamed. Hoofprints lead to high ridgelines above. Home. A concept removed from land by war tactics. Fled away from killing fields, too wary to wear sickness, too hopeful to acknowledge the pain of the smallest nested doll in darkness. Far from the roots and stem was carved from the fallen, who could fight no more for war is made in Walmart now and sold with discounts. Wow. War is made in Walmart now. Walmart now and sold with discounts. Hey, Rain, you be so special. It's so good to hear (laughs) your voice, to to realize we got a lifelong connection. What you're doing and what I'm doing, what we're all doing, we have a lifelong connection that's there in the spirit, am I right? Uh, you were right. 
But here, let me finish with um, oh, these he, other two poems okay, by please. Eduardo Chirinos. Eduardo, okay, take it Who was a professor here at the university. He was born in Peru in Lima, and um, the university so kindly printed off beautiful little sheets of his poetry. And so these are a collection from a collection he called Reasons for Writing Poetry by Eduardo Chirinos. Wow. The first one... 25 years of life for a man. Make two lives for one who is 50, my father used to say. I remember it still. I must have been nine or ten, an age when hours transpire in a slow haze, and every night is a fleeting fade to black where dreams dwell. Sometimes memory preserves old dreams that burn like torches offering light, while other times it calls for our hands, looking to dunk them in ponds to search for prints. I found only the word. All else was denied me. Dim-witted, I took a long while to understand that heaven upon earth is better than utopia, that heartfelt love is never impossible, that childhood bundles us off proudly, then grabs hold. What fate does the world have in store for those who are its chosen? That's hard to say. In his solitude, the child masturbates and feels fear, understanding that fear and pleasure go together and are inseparable. In his solitude, he discovers beauty and feels fear, understanding that fear and beauty go together and are inseparable. Then only the word remains, a deep hole where smoke betrays its presence, its high flame. Touching us without burning, smoke is the sign preceding encounters, the errant ash whose fruit is the poem. Because dream and poem always travel together and are inseparable. Dream and poem. And then the second one I especially want to read to you, Dave. This is dedicated to you. It's called To Reach Missoula. Years ago, I read a poem by Robert Ely, or Eli, about Missoula. I can still remember it, telling of a train, maybe from the old Pacific line that was traveling on a winter morning. The sleepers had left the dark shadows behind and through the window, covered with streaks of snow, they could glimpse the contour of the mountains. You used to need snow to reach Missoula, to pass through Hellgate, as the settlers called it in days gone by. We arrived here by car on a summer afternoon. It was really sunny. So why did the chill of the poem still chase us? To reach Missoula, you used to need a train, a frost-covered window, and at least light snow. And I know it's going to be sunny when you travel here, but... 
perhaps you'll still see the twinge of the snow in the mountains as you pass them by, dear Dave. Well, it'll be a warm summer day for sure. You mentioned that too. But coming from by car from a warm summer day, because I think we're going to have to arrange some transport to Grand Falls or somewhere. We'll find out where the train goes and find out how we can put that together. If necessary, I'll put my thumb out and say, I'm going to Missoula. Mm-hmm. Take this old man to Missoula. If 50 is two oh, lifetimes, yeah. we'll come up and get you, my 70, friend. 50, 50 is two lifetimes, 75, 78 is three plus change. So, fuck you, and I might be 78 years old uh, coming through, this old man coming through. But hey, sister, as Bob Dylan said, but I love you just the same. <laughs> I'm 78 years old. I love you. And she's a brown-skinned woman. I was laid in Jackson. Remember, Ellen? She's a brown-skinned woman, but I love you just the same. And I'm saying, you remember, you're a really young woman to me, but I love you just the same. Mm-hmm. You got that? You got that? Well, now I get my crying and laughing at the same time. <laughs> That's what I do now. That's the sign of the aging process. My, my, my eyes are welling up. Look at me, huh? I know. I know. Up. I can always hear it in your voice, Dave. I can. And, and it, 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 you know, interestingly, it happens when rain calls quite a bit. Uh, yeah. um, and other times, too. But rain, beautiful well, work nice. to share. I'm so happy you're up there doing what you're doing uh the outer limits radio show and we'll definitely let people know to check out mixcloud slash outer limits radio show um so they can see what you're up to in missoula and we look forward to an your next call whenever that may be thanks for all you guys are doing keep up the good work as always thanks for everybody who's there collaborating and sharing your creative selves Right on. That's the word. Thank you, Rain. And uh, and uh, right now we're going to go out to the studio here as Felicia has been patiently waiting. I know she's got a few more minutes. Uh, Felicia, go Is for it. it. On? Yes, they are, we're sister. Go for it. Hey. Hi, everybody. Um, my name is Felicia. Um, and I pop in here every once in a while. I love this place. I love you guys very, very much. It's a wonderful community. And like Rain was talking about, her collectives that she's working with there, we got a lot of uh, active people out here. And I'm here to promote Heart Space at 715 Harrison. It's going to be Thursday the 14th from 9 to 2 a.m. It's a 10 to $20 admission, but it's like sliding scale, so you're probably pretty good. Um, we got Hibbity Dibbity, Loco Tranquilo, uh, the Native Union, I can't properly pronounce the, uh, the rest of them, I'm not going to slaughter it, but the, the Heart Space is an art, music, yoga, and healing gathering exploring creative tools for revolutionary transformation in our communities. We will be exploring indigenous wisdom through eco-justice movement, the power of allyship, raising consent culture, and real alternatives to police in our communities. Brought to you by Holistic Underground, a professional and personal development platform for artists, activists, healers seeking to embody the space where they are all one for more sustainable, creative, and holistic revolution. And like I said, it's the 14th of April, which is next Thursday, at 715 Harrison, which is a really big venue. So like, we're really trying to get as many people as we can to come down, because we, we have capacity for like 1,600 people. So I'm really like, I love this collective. I love this group of people. And the more people that come in and the bigger we get, the more we're going to be able to improve what we see wrong out here. And it's, you know, it's not age bias. We're not any kind of bias. It's just like if you want to come play music and, you know, get with it, get with it. It's whatever. Do whatever you want to do. Autonomous. 
stuff, you know? And um, so there's gonna be, there's more. My friend Mazin gave me this wrap, it's pretty cool. This, there's gonna be free certified massage, Reiki and yoga, 25 radical artists showing their goddess work in traditional West African ritual drumming, Brazilian funk, psychedelic Latin jazz, reggae, psych rock, and hip hop, and also, Political Gridlock from Alameda, uh, Alameda is uh, going to do a screen printing workshop out front. We have a photo booth. We have an art table where I'm going to be showing how to make like little paper zines and stuff. And um, it's going to be over, it's going to be wonderful. Honestly, I'm really stoked for this. This is like one of the biggest events that we've ever tried to take on, and it was kind of kicked down to us the whole thing. So I really want to see everybody come down because when you meet people, good things happen. Like, and the news and everything that's been going on, which I don't want to talk about because I talked about for a long time, but um, that this is how we combat that. This is by healing ourselves, by making sure that we got the people around us. It starts just, it's like a ripple effect. And this is how we combat all, we talk about it so much and it's just draining to not have any power in the situation, but it lies in, I feel it lies in us coming together and uniting and it's something for everybody. And I'm not like really into like all of this super like hippie stuff, but I really, it's action based. So if you want to do something, they're guaranteed there's something you can do to get out. What I get depressed. I like to do art and music to get over my depression and like work things out. It's really nice to have an outlet and, and to know that you have a community around you. They have meetings like weekly where everybody writes down their skills. We do Skillshare. We do, it's just like, it's really important. I feel like it's really important. I'd really appreciate it if, took consideration into coming down, which is, and it's so, it's at uh, 715 Harrison in San Francisco, Thursday, April 14th from nine to 2 a.m., which I'm just, just everybody come down. It, I don't know. I don't know. It's like usually they have um, like raves there. So we're going to like smudge the building before <laughs> we have this thing because we just kind of, you know, get it all together. But um, do you convince them to let you give it a try? Yeah, no. If we, can, if we can really prove that we can do this. Oh, no. Most inappropriate time. If we can really approve that we can do this and we actually make these connections, I think that, like, even that it's going to make a big difference. Like, in everything that's been going on lately and young people recognizing what's going on and us all struggling to pay rent out here and, like, trying to, like, find space just to exist, like, it's really necessary that we create safe spaces where people can decompress and be like kind of, you know, comfortable. It's comfortable. You have to be able to relax once in a while. Like it's really stressful out here, city living, that kind of thing. But um, so yeah, 715 Harrison on Thursday, the 14th. And uh, I just met these guys briefly um, and we're gonna jam real quick. We, if you guys can jump up here and get all spaced out, but. This is Nico and, and Jacob, and I just met them outside. They're friends of Blood Flowers. So, but while they're like sitting down and getting set up and stuff, I'm just gonna say the collective that I'm I belong to is called the Holistic Underground, and you can look them up on all social media platforms. And they have actually are working with other nonprofits and have nonprofit status, and we're working towards trying to get a building and like really grow in order to create this safe space that I was talking about. So.
that's a really important thing. So that's the holistic underground. And then there's me, I'm Felicia, uh, Glitter Bombs Over Baghdad on Instagram. And get a hold, I'm down to talk about whatever, within reason. So you can hit me up, you know, and I'll be down. Okay, so you can just jam whatever. You gotta live your life present Cause we're young and we're gifted In the mix like a split face A hard hit Wait for the clouds to part They're lined in silver We are young and bold Our souls can't be melted down Our souls for coins Sister, daughter, 
Choo-choo, that's right. What is that? That's an acronym for what? The Council of Community Housing Organizations. Right. So we bring together, um, right now we're at 24 uh, small community-based housing developers and tenant advocates, so Housing Rights Committee, Senior and Disability Action, uh, groups right here in the mission like uh, Poder and MEDA Poder. are part of it. Um, and then our housing developers like Community Housing Partnership and Chinatown CDC and others um, trying to keep people housed in the city. So, so you're like, so you're to be a conduit. Uh, developers who are interested not in making big bucks with condos, not having monsters in the mission, but doing something around using affordable housing, you can have help them make their way through the bureaucratic thinking. Think is that right? That's right. That's right. We, we try to get uh, get policies in place. We work on ballot measures. So that's part of why I want to talk to you to you today. Well, is we it, got please. we got a ballot measure um, coming up this. Uh, uh, June, uh, it's uh, going to be might be uh, might be in a really exciting election, depending on where Bernie is in June. The Bernie Hillary uh, primary uh, smackdown will be in June, and, um, and we got our own little piece in there. Is uh, it's going to be called Proposition C? It's going to raise the requirements that private developers um, have to do in terms of affordable housing. Will require that a quarter of the units they build be uh, affordable to a range of incomes. Um, so uh, that's really big uh, to double that from what it is right now. And um, yeah, so and you might you might hear some background noise. I got two two my my kid and his friend, my, two seven year olds in the studio with me. Well, so. That's perfect. Uh, yeah, we're all ages. We're all ages. We're all ages. Oh, six. He was Sorry. six. Sorry, he's six. One of them is six. Seven. One of them is seven. Okay, well, um, we're all ages. So we want to make sure welcome. we get to get housing built so that they can that's stay for in the sure. city. So in we the have future. kids here. My kids are. Well, we have kids here, yeah. so we can have so we can have parks where we can have community, have the kind of thing that Felicia was talking about, where people could make music, make art, do what they did to do and keep San Francisco. I got here in 1957, you know, brother. Yeah. So I, I got you guys. You can tell, as you may have heard, as you heard today, I got some background and I want to continue. Yep. Right yep. here. I have no intention because if they force me out, it's kind of all over. That's right. And that's so. So one of the things I've been when I when I do my little talks now, I'm doing three P's and an S. I don't know if that's that's I don't know. Uh, first thing we got to do, we've always got to protect our tenants that are here. That is the starting point. Our rent control, we got to make sure rent control stays in place, gets protected, and gets uh, made even stronger. We got to preserve the housing that we've got now. Um, so we've got this amazing stock of rent controlled housing, but we're losing every year. We lose hundreds of units into uh, owner move in evictions and condo conversions and all sorts of things. And one of the things that uh, that our group helped to do working with uh, back then Supervisor Chris Daly in 2009 and folks from uh, groups like the Community Land Trust, we helped to get a, uh, a small sites fund um, started that the city finally just rolled out last year. We've now got um, 12 buildings or little buildings, so six to 10 units um, that many of them were facing LSACs and other kinds of, of transformations. Well, we got uh, the city to help purchase those and um, they'll be preserved as permanently affordable housing and we want to see a lot more we want to uh, take that to a much bigger scale um, so these housing these small units and so on do you say once they have them should they have them is there is there a vehicle where they can meet together where they can uh, where they can have each other's backs where they can help uh, help bring out more community housing to bring in so they could continue to be activists even if they have, even after they have 
There's a lot of pieces. That that's right. That's right. And it's it's all different. Right now, we've got a couple of different organizations that are have taken advantage of, of this program in, in its first year, uh, the San Francisco Community Land Trust and MEDA. We've got a number of other organizations like uh, San Francisco Housing Development. Uh, they're a nonprofit out in the Bayview. Um, we've got groups like Chinatown CDC. Um, uh, so hopefully we'll see a lot more of these, but, uh, groups like the land trust, they bring together all of the tenants that are in, in those buildings. Um, they make up part of the board of directors and with a mission, um, that those, that, that land is community land now from here on, on out. Right. And people, uh, have control of their buildings, but really, uh, underneath that, there is an idea of the commons, of, of common land uh, in perpetuity for everybody. So you said the three P's and an S, oh, right? Yeah. So, so we had protect Protect. Tenants, we got to preserve what we got. We got to produce housing. more affordable housing. Um, you know, John Avalos was here earlier. He's done a lot in his tenure at, um, at the board to bring new revenue. He helped to pass a couple of different uh, transfer fees that brought in a whole bunch more money into the city. Uh, he was really instrumental in uh, making sure when, when the mayor wanted to change the uh, um, the way we do our business taxes, that that was net new money. And so uh, building affordable housing takes money and it takes land. So we got to we got to produce more. There's 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 this whole argument around supply, supply and demand. We can you know, we don't have enough supply of housing. Well, we don't have enough supply of affordable housing. And that's that's the key part of it. And then the last part is shaping, shaping development. You know, we uh uh, for better or worse, uh, uh, there keeps being all sorts of development in this city, market rate development, and we got to make sure that communities have a chance to shape that. Um, and uh, we got to require more out of developers. They're making a lot of money uh, on the development that's happening right now. And so this ballot measure, Prop C, that's going to be in the ballot in June, is going to be critical in doubling the amount of affordable housing that we're requiring those developers to produce. In November. We've got a number of people running for John Evans' seat. That's right. For uh, Eric Meyer's seat. That's right. There's uh, six that are running for Eric Meyer's seat, mm. for David Campos' seat. Mm-hmm. We had last week, we had uh, for, uh, uh, for Francisco Rara, and yes, last week, you know Francisco. Yep. He ran for mayor. Quite a crew. Uh, but that, that's going to be kind of a test for them, because this is in June, and they'll be running in November. Am I right? That's right. That's so right. this, I can see this is like the, I don't know if we call it the acid test, uh-huh. if, but you can come up with the word, sounds like you have a way with the letters. The acid the, test. The litmus well, test? The what? The litany test. Litmus test. The litany test. Then we got another... Uh, Another Hillary, who's yep. in the next year, am I right? That's right. We got uh, Francis Arara, we got Kimberly, we got all the others who are going to be having to step up and, uh, and lend a hand with prophecy. That's right. That's and right. And also, and this radio's program, this time, three to ten on Fridays, is definitely used to be devoted to all this. So by all means, keep us in mind. We have, we're not the voice of it, but a voice. All you have to do is walk through the door, and there's always room. Three right hours, on. it seems like a little time, but it's really a lot of time. Right on, so, Dave. So you see how we roll, don't you? Yep. And, and how can people get involved? Well, is there question. a central uh, a website or a meeting that people can attend? or? 
Well, uh, so we're, we're a, a coalition of member organizations. Um, if I ha- can do a plug, we're having our, our annual party in, in a month, May 6th, uh, at the Mission Cultural Center. Right. Uh, it's, a, it's a fundraiser, but it's sliding scale. We invite course, everybody who's right involved in. with affordable housing and in the housing movement to come by. It's sort of uh, uh, the meet and greet for folks who are working on housing stuff. Um, and there's a, certainly Prop C. Uh, our website's about to go live if it Let's hasn't in really any, any, any moment now. Um, so I think it's Yes Prop C, uh, I think is, is uh, uh, the working uh, URL for it right now. But we're going to be doing some, some mobilizations um, and getting folks out. Uh, so you might see us doing visibility on corners and stuff. And if you do, you know, 24th Street, there yep. we are. Yep. 24th Street Mission, right down uh, here we are. But, uh, but of course, we had a bunch of Fridays before then. So count us in to Sounds get the word good. out, to be a voice of it. Because what we say here in uh, Valencia many times, I say at City, it's my city college, in the city, on the planet, and in the street. That we cast that wide net, and that's that kind of common thread. That's right, that's, that's right. right. And yeah. can, I, can I add one more thing, just because you said again. City College, because I think the last time I saw you was at, uh, was at City College, and City College is sitting right next to a huge piece of land. It's 17 acres. It's it owned is. by the uh, Balboa, Public Utilities Commission. Uh, the Balboa Reservoir. And there's a whole move to privatize that land. Uh, the PUC wa- may want to get rid of it. They haven't actually declared surplus on it but the city's moving as though uh they have uh it's basically a big parking lot and there's all sorts of issues you know city college uses that parking so what's going to happen if that parking lot goes away can they build some replacement parking for that city college has big plans which unfortunately got put on on hold with with a whole crisis there uh but they've got big plans to build a performing arts center and um if they do move on on building something you know, what kind of housing will it be if they build housing? Is it going to be affordable? Uh, how much of it's going to be affordable? Those are really big issues. And I think when people talk to us about, you know, the housing crisis and what we can do about it, we say, well, you know, unfortunately, you know, we move on these little incremental steps, right? There's there's little things like Prop C. It's not going to solve all the problems, but but they're little steps, right? Well, we when we've got 17 acres of land that that is really rare to come by and it's already owned by the public isn't that something that should be saved in perpetuity forever to build housing on and what we hear from the city is well the city doesn't have the money to build 17 acres worth of affordable housing well then that's the challenge that we need to okay, put before us and, and, and figure out let's uh, figure that out the casting characters is coming together i'm there i have a high profile there I've been there as a long-time student forever, long before they took out of the, out of the mission statement. I was there t- taking part in all of this. I know the cast of characters. That's and right. as you know, you can eat the a cast truth will character. set us free. Fuck yeah. Well, look, brother, it's right so on. good to have you and the kids there. Yeah, the thanks kids. for coming by to uh, represent the yeah. Council of Community uh, Housing. <laughs> They're yeah. kind of teenagers already. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Six years old and seven-year-olds. What's, uh, what's, your favorite, what's your favorite thing to do? Ooh, what's your favorite thing to do? What's your favorite thing to do? Yeah. What's really fun? Um, so many things. So, so many options. Many, so many things. Humming. Um, Ooh, humming. Um, <laughs> um, I don't know. 
Thank you very much, you guys. Thank you so much. May may your interests be varied. And uh, we're we're moving right along here. This is a community open mic. Um, But yes, thank you for coming by. <laughs> yeah, thanks for there you go. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Here's a little music. We're gonna get everybody else set up for one more hour of programming. You're listening to the Common Thread Collective on Mutiny Radio FM. I see the uh, Drift and Rainbow are up there on stage. You guys hear me out there? Drift and Rainbow, give me a sign. Give me a sign. Can you hear me out there? Rainbow and Drift, can you hear me? Can anybody hear me? Bueller? Bueller? All right, hang on. Rainbow and Drift are up at the mic. Take it away, guys. Give us a couple songs. Okay. This is called Universal Woman. Now 
I broke a string, so like I'm gonna oh. do, do it like. Um, do you want to hang acapella. on? Oh, you're gonna do it acapella. All right, go for it. Oh, wow, great! Thanks, Jacob. Wow, this is community, folks. A, a, a guitar has been raised uh, in offering. That's musician uh, community there. You're listening to the Common Thread Collective here on Mutiny Radio, and we have time for just one more song, maybe a shorter, ver- short one. <laughs> What's that? Okay. Uh, you know, it, to commemorate the 420th 
20. Um, this song is uh, called Pot Plants Versus Nuke Plants. Hey, you might have a flower, but the cops have got the power. You'd put you all under arrest, even though you might be trying to do your best. And how can there be no plans, but you can't have any part Cops, they're like muggers, only cops. They can really hold you on. And they might even shoot you too if you don't do what they tell you to do. And how can there be no plan? But you can't have any part. circus you wonder how they can even make such a fuss when the judge is the biggest clown of all you know he only wants to see you take a ball and how can there be new plans but you can't have any part Murder is illegal until they send you off to war. Where it's always raining bullets and you get to watch young blood pour. Little kids are taught that having guns is having fun until daddy leaves a loaded one. get you high where the radiation only makes you die now the trouble with the nukes is there's just too many flukes and how can there be new plans but you can't have any pot plans thank you <laughs> Rainbow, the voice of the revolution. Right on. <laughs> Pot plants or nuke plants? Good question. Speaking of nukes and uh, nuclear power plants, I know we've got someone on the phone right now who is very uh, concerned and involved in uh, trying to work to irradiate uh, parts of the planet, especially surrounding Fukushima. And I'm talking about our friend Rainbow Madonna out there in Nevada, I believe, right? Are you yeah. with... 
Yeah, welcome. At the White Buffalo Nation Community and Gardens and um, an office. And I want to invite everybody to visit the new website, wbnglobe.weebly.com, where you can um, keep up on what we're doing. We have um, Save Life on Planet Earth and everybody it's a uh, participatory action i'd like to invite everybody to join us sunday april 10th which is my birthday i will be 24 in hippie years and as we all know hippie means highly intelligent person pursuing infinite enlightenment which i am honored to be considered such um it'll be at 2 p.m pacific standard time and uh, we have our new um, radio show on Blog Talk Radio. Um, the title of the show is going to be Algae to Thrive in Toxic Times. And um, I am going to see if um, I'm going to play a song for you that I recorded. So I'm going to hold it. <laughs> I'm going to hold it up. Tell me, Val, if you can hear this. Here we go. It's called Through the Open Window. And it's a song I wrote when I was living in an SRF community in Virginia in the 80s, and I wrote basically to the Christ and to my daughter, Alicia, who hadn't been born yet. So here it goes. It's called Through the Open Window. Let's got to get it. Sorry. Blew that. Let's start it over. Here we go.
So, <clears throat> thank you, Val and Diamond Dave. And um, so join us Sunday. We're going to be starting the Slope Radio Show. Um, Sundays at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard. Our first guest is going to be Roland Thomas of BioEdge. Um, then the following week, we're going to have um, Joshua Clinton of uh, um, Humalife. All these things are things that we're recommending so everybody can stay alive and we can get back to the garden. That's what we're talking so, about. Um, and there you any are. Questions, Val or Dave? Oh, yep. and I'm going to return the favor, by the way. Once I get this under my belt, um, I would really appreciate it if you guys would be from the 80s. on um, my show. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Cool. Well, thank hey, you Rainbow so Madonna. much. So good to hear your voice. Thanks for what you do. And Richard, you got a poem uh, set? We're going to give everybody five minutes, and we'll make sure everybody gets their thing. Okay, well, let's get this thing set up. Sorry I held up the people had to wait around so long. All right. Unusual today. To have that really good conversation with, with uh, John Avalos. Alrighty, uh, this is called uh, <clears throat> "Your Hubris Is Unimpressive," Ode to Militia and the un- Undereducated Gringo. Your hubris is uh, hubris is unimpressive. Your righteous indignations do not inspire. It is said in your self-involvement, it's about what affects you. Your silence on things other than you and yours to other human beings and what they're put through because you can is ear-splitting and privileged even though you believe you are the victim. There are many who try to inform you of the bad news, but your ears have been closed to the truth. The enemies you blame are not your enemies, but the same group that exploits you and exploits them are the ones to blame. You would be wise to join those struggles. That way you become stronger in solidarity. A friend said, some writers preach to the choir, and I agree. But in the end, the preachings are only words, and some don't yet have the language to turn to each other, advancing these words and liberating them by lifting them from the page, stage, and street to the heart, mind, and spirit. Richard always has uh, some perspective to offer in his poetry. Um, well, I have a longer piece, but uh, it's about uh, Red Lives Matter. But I'm going to forestall that for time's sake because I'm that way. You're a, you are generous and, and I'm going to write a, uh, end it with a nice piece short on Sukus. Anybody here know Sukus music? Oh, my God, you're a rare brother. There's one guy. That's Bloodflower does. Of course he does. Um, <laughs> well, okay, here it is. Sukus, to shake. Sukus, another musical form lost to most usans. There are things that can make us, take us away and make us feel something, joy, happiness, sadness. Sukus is upbeat, born out of Congolese rumba, a popular African music with syncopated rhythms and contrasting soaring guitar solos and smooth vocals. Guitars that never bend to the note instead hit the notes and that make you bend and shake. Sukus means to shake. Women throw down to each other. Who can shake their hips unrivaled in style and rhythm? Sukus takes you to the trance perchance to dance. Nice. Dance. Thank you, Richard. 
Yeah, dance can do a lot. Just moving your body. And if you don't know Sukus, please check it out. It's a it's a musical form that's probably passing, but uh, it's spelled S O U K O U S. And uh, <clears throat> you know, where does it come out of? It comes out of the Congo, but uh, French oh, influence. But the French influence added the guitar to it. Uh, but uh, but anything has Congolese rumba is, is basically it's a Cuban influenced. Oh, we're gonna uh, play well. some. That's why it's we're gonna play some to go out or something. Like that. Let's try some sukus. That yeah, I'll see, see what I can but drum up, so to speak. <laughs> drum up. Drum up. I'm going to drum up our next performers here. There we go. John, I hear uh, Bloodflower with his cymbals, and James Conrad is up there. Go for it, guys. Hello, folks. This is James Conrad. Um, I've got my book here with me. I know you guys uh, out listening in Radioland can't see it, but it's Zurdo Cleans House, Z-U-R-D-O Cleans House, and it is available for purchase on Amazon. So... Uh, previously, in episode 62 of Zordo Clean's House. Now, when you got to Mr. Kerr's place, were you able to get him inside his house? I couldn't even get him to stand up. He was hella wasted, so I left him in his car inside the garage and had my friend pick me up near his house. Do you recall how much he had to drink? I don't know how much exactly... I want to say at least five beers in two or three shots. And I mean at the very least. He was hella putting it away, man. And now we have episode 63 of Zordo Clean's house. <clears throat> Zordo walked towards St. Victor's Catholic Church with measured, determined steps to attend confession. Taking a deep breath every now and again to calm his nerves, he made mental notes to himself every second to keep his utterance as vague as possible. The second he entered the booth, he took the rosary out of his pocket, closed his eyes, and began to pray, keeping his voice under his breath. After just a couple minutes, he snapped to attention as he heard Father Leon enter the booth, slide the screen open, and greet him. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. It has been a month since my last confession, said Zordo, making the sign of the cross. I lied, but you could say I had, but that everybody believed the lie before I had the chance to tell it. I see, said Father Leon. Of course, it makes no difference whether or not you told the lie first. You still perpetuated it. I understand, Father. Yes, well, what did you lie about? Zordo, feeling his pulse quicken, took a deep breath. There's a story going around about a man. People say he burned himself to death in his car, like on purpose. Suicide? That's what hella people are saying. But you killed him. Zordo took a deep breath. Well, I know who did, and I will say that much. Mmm, said Father Leon, taking in a deep breath. Are you sorry for what you have done? Should I be? The guy who died did some pretty wicked things. Okay, tell me more. I spent over 10 years in prison because he was one of the people who framed me for a crime I didn't commit, said Zordo, his voice beginning to crack. For all I know, I'm not the only guy he's shafted. Maybe I'm just trying to protect other people, you know? Zordo sighed and the tears began to roll down his cheeks. Isn't protecting people from sin doing the Lord's work? How is that wrong, father? 
I understand, said Father Leon, his soft tone of voice full of gentle compassion. But a mortal man must be aware of his limitations and think carefully before he decides to enforce God's laws. Sometimes it is best to be patient and let the Lord do his work, no matter how long it takes or how mysterious his method may be. Yeah, said Zordo from under his breath, wiping his eyes. But I'm dying of cancer. I'll be lucky if I live another year. I can't wait for the Lord to do his work. Not everybody who is wronged receives vindication by the hands of the Lord. That's just the way it goes. Father Leon sighed. But come to think of it, he said, I get the feeling that you wish you'd never felt compelled to commit your sin. Is that true? Zordo coughed and took a deep breath. Yeah, I guess so. Very well, said Father Leon. He cleared his throat. God, the Father of mercies, through the death and resurrection of your Son, you have reconciled the world to yourself and sent the Holy Spirit among us for forgiveness of sins. Through the ministry of the Church, may God grant you pardon and peace, and I absolve you of your sins in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Father, said Zordo. Say ten Hail Marys and five Our Fathers and go in peace, my son. Thank you, said Zurdo, shivering with cold sweat as his heart pounded in his chest and his head began to throb. With a deep breath, he stepped out of the confession booth and walked out of the church. Thanks very much, folks, and tune in next week for episode 64 of Zurdo Cleans House. Before I go, though, there is uh, one thing I'd like to bring to everyone's attention, especially those of us out there listening. Uh, Mutiny Radio, I mean, we are an independent radio station, and we are funded uh, entirely not only by our generous sponsors, but also by listeners like you. And we, uh, you know, have a lot of expenses. We've got lots of equipment here. There's rent. So if you're interested in helping Mutiny Radio continue to bring you um, quality programming, such as uh, Pam's Comedy Clubhouse, The Happy Hour, Labor of Love, Women's Magazine, and, of course, our very own Common Thread Collective, please feel free to send a money order or a check for a dollar or more made out to Mutiny Radio, and the address is Mutiny Radio, 2781 21st Street, San Francisco, California, 94110. Once again, that is Mutiny Radio, 2781 21st Street, San Francisco, California, 94110, and just send a check made out to Mutiny Radio for a dollar or more, and you will help keep... uh, keep us continuing to uh, bring you quality programming and thank you Val back to you thank you James and thank you for that reminder for the the plug to support us we do pay dues here and also we've got a new uh, we've got a new uh, online campaign through Patreon uh, where you can be a continuous um, supporter of Mutiny Radio if you go to Patreon which is P-A-T-R-E-O-N and look for Mutiny Radio and uh, some people are giving you know 10 $20 a month um, to help sustain us, and we'd really appreciate that as we go forward into as we live in the most expensive city here in the United States. Um, So, thank you for that. And uh, coming up next, who's next, Dave? Along those lines, where we got Nico and Jacob, along those lines, I did stop by by, uh, Adobe Books. And they're, they're, they're really accepting, and they like the idea, and so on Adobe today, as far as them becoming a sponsor of the show. You hear me? A sponsor of the show. And tomorrow, in fact, they asked me to cover. They have this monthly event, 
spoken word music reading called uh, Let's Burn the Motherfucker Down. And that's a new monthly thing. I'm going to go tomorrow night there and talk to the people who organize that. And she, I, the new manager at Adobe is really totally down with what we're doing. It looks like it's going to be able to happen. So what? Uh, so this event that they're having, when is it? It's tomorrow night. It's called. Let's you have all the details there. All right. So the new monthly at Adobe Books, which is here on Twenty Fourth Street, um, their event. Let's burn this motherfucker down. Uh, Saturday, April 9th, there'll be readings, and then Sunday, April twenty fourth, there'll be spoken word and music. Um, so we definitely want to support our local independent bookstores here in San Francisco. So go check them out. It's a really cool bookstore. And they really wanted, uh, they're really into supporting us. So it's a mutual symbiotic relationship. Nice. And we've had, the, we've had your birthday parties uh, uh, Some there. of them. Some of them, of several, course. Several, yeah, several is what I said. Yeah. In fact, uh, you know, uh, we got just uh, this last line. Our sister, Winda, uh, uh, Winda, Winda. Windsong? Windsong, Trio Cambio. They were down in Columbia. They were just back now. They're just about to be back. They're oh, wow. Trio Cambio. Next Trio week? Cambio. They're, they're, back. they're either back or they're about to go back. I'll All call right. them soon. So they're coming back, ne- come to the show next week. Uh, let's hope so. All right, Trio Cambio. We love them. So thanks, Adobe Books. We'll, we'll be in touch. They're one of our so house So shall we... Uh, and here we got this brother. This be Nico. Nico and Jacob. Yes, my name is Nico. 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 Welcome to the show. Thank you. This is my first time here. I want to thank uh, Jacob for bringing me here. I just met him a couple hours ago, so thanks, brother. <laughs> right on. I'm going to sing one song. It's a song by a guy named Nako. Uh, he's this guy I really enjoy, so uh, here we go. I'll try to do it justice. Off of my tree to lighten my load and grow me tall. Just like my dogma, this fire pit mantra is covered in ashes. Now take me home. I'm shedding my antlers and I'm making up answers to the mysteries of nature. So reach for the sun, spruce tips and cedars. Now free up them rivers, the salmon will run. No damn can hold Uniting nation It's gonna take some patience So one's in your sheepskin The wolves have returned Now ooh, ooh, The wolves have returned Now ooh, ooh, The wolves have returned tree to lighten my load and grow me tall just like my dogma 
This fire pit mantra is covered in ashes. Now take me home. I'm shedding my antlers and I'm making up answers to the mysteries of nature. So reach for the sun, spruce tips and cedars. Now free up them rivers. The salmon will run. No dam can hold. Uniting nation. It's gonna take some patience. So one's in your sheepskin. Naco, man, I love that guy. Hey, I have, yeah. a little, I have a little story to tell you. What Jacob is coming up here. One day, some years ago, maybe two, maybe three, and so on, I was coming into the show. It was a Friday, and I saw this van outside. And I, I don't remember if it was particularly psychedelic, but I knew it was a musician's van. And sure enough, I crossed the street to right here. Hey, I'm, hey, brother, I crossed the street to right here, and the back door of the van opened. And all these people get pouring out, all these sisters, all these goddesses, all these people. I didn't know what such a large group of people could be in one small van. And this guy comes out, he says, hey, Diamond Dave, we're told we should begin our U.S. tour here. I'm not going, we'd be medicine for the people. At that time, they were still acoustic. Then they played right here, Naco, on their first U.S. tour. They come, you know where they come from, the Big Island. And we've had, since then, we've had many Big Island groups. Have you been to the Big Island? Well, then you know, we've had here, uh, we've had here this, uh, a group of sisters, one dude playing bass. I'm talking about Off the Grid. Do you know them? Off the Grid. And then there's another group of sisters, pretty much as I remember, goddesses, uh, goddesses, uh, and that was Mary Isis. Do you know Mary Isis? These are all the big, been the Big Island mix. But then they have come out, Jim charging up with his indigenous, uh, charging out, now electric, now, uh, now the neo hippies for sure. Is Naco medicine for the people? Check them out, am I right? Hell yeah. Fuck yeah. Aloha. Hell yeah. Aloha. Woo. They'll be coming through and they changed the way we're doing a lot of stuff. Uh, they're not the guy, they're a whole different design. We're talking about neo-hippie, not Grateful Dead hippie, but neo-hippie and indigenous people too. Bring those natives down and just hurt them. Hey, Nako. Hey, brother. You're always welcome to come back here. You see how we roll. Nobody goes away mad, sad, glad. And here he be. Jacob, give us a song. Jacob. Is that right? Yeah, Jacob. Jacob, give us a song, brother.
Thanks, Amazing. thanks you guys. Everyone. Keep coming back. Yeah, yeah, we're welcome back anytime. Um, really, really lovely uh, musical contribution. Yeah, to work the show it out today. together. Jacob and Nico, new friends. Smothers Brothers, no. But work it out together. Smothers Come on to the show. I want to see your growth just like we've seen uh, people grow coke. Can I come every week and do what they do? And you can see their growth and what they do. As I can see on you guys. Jacob, here you go. Keep coming back. And you took me right back when you played the uh, medicine for the people. That's, you took me right back. That's the line we're on. That's our lineage. That's what we're all about. And hey, Barbara, you got a poem. Yeah, this is a poem I wrote for Diamond Dave Day. And um, so I, I thought I'd uh, try go. it out again today. So is this working? Go ahead. We're fine. Okay. As Wavy Gravy says, Diamond Dave, a mind in his own legend. 
Creation is perfect. A projectile from a magic wand finger. And who picks up on it? David can figure it out. He doesn't trip. Because balance is tricky. Like sharp shooting shards on flat foot street walks. Random and on purpose. Like wide sheaths of young grass or uncharted shallow seas. Because cities are voracious and time already happened. Dave said he was 31 at 30 when no one trusted anyone over 30, and 79 at 78, each of his chaplain-esque feet letting the other go first, like at a human being or a political punk hootenanny. Dave just doesn't get hierarchy. As David likes to quote, Jesus said, and the last shall be first and the first last, and don't do what you hate, because words are psychedelic like clean hands that emerge from dirty clothes, Shantasena to children of living light, in that far-out place where you don't have to be a wimp to be a hippie. When everyone is Kaufman's fish with frog's eyes, blinded to think freely in the face of insanity, because sometimes institutions are safe and the street has bosses. So if you sit down with Dave at the Revolution Cafe, which has yet to have a revolution, and maybe you're broke or beat, or maybe be tific. Dave might say, if you don't panic, just keep it organic, and you exit scratching your head, wondering what might happen to organic if you panic. Okay, well, thank you, sir. That takes me back, and of course, it's uh, Jesus of the Gospel of Thomas said, uh, uh, don't lie and don't do what you hate. His disciples came to ask, well, how do we pray? How do we give alms? What do we do here? How do we do this? And he just said, don't lie and don't do what you hate. So it boils down to here. And here's a man who I haven't seen in years. And we're ready now, but this will be my brother, Dumpy. Hey, Dumpster, you ran into Barbara. Yeah. Okay. You ran into Barbara. And uh, there she was, and she said, uh, guess why, son? Then I got a text from you. Dumpy, we go back to those punk rock days. We go back to the 80s, do we not? We do, yeah. We go back to probably mid-80s, 86 maybe. And uh, we also go back to Rainbow Gatherings. We really worked. Used to be up and down that trail for the trailhead over and over again, helping people uh, helping people uh, bring, their, bring their shit down. Am I right? Yeah. Also, I've seen your office. You go on freight trains taking whole posses of young people, some later to be called gutter punks, uh, some of whom uh, kept true to the faith, others started out and uh, were made true to the faith, and on freight train trips and started in San Francisco sometimes, went up to Portland, went over to Minneapolis, down to, uh, down to, uh, down to Chicago maybe, and then over to New York City. That was, uh, that was uh, a squad you'd tell him start called C-Squad, am I right? Well, I was there in the early days. I wasn't one of the people that found it, but no, I was one of the first six people to be living there. And so that's it. So we know each other, and we know that this man, Val, is a legendary character to me. He, uh, and he kept up with it, and now look at him. Now yes, he's cleaned up, although he's still got these. What does it say on this arm? That's a con of Christ. Remember those guys? Oh, he con of Christ. Of course I do. He's a con of Christ. Yeah. Um, Some of those folks yeah. live here in town, too. I think Special I Forces. Econo Christ. And of course, what was the ska band? Operation Ivy. Mm -hmm. Well, we are just talking about the old punk rock show that's happening down the street tonight. I wonder who's going to show up over there. Uh, well, I don't know. I'm going to the, I'm going to the, I'm a freebie. I'm going, I'm not $15. That'd be, that'd be, uh, be for out of, out of, uh, out of Reno came uh, uh, six seconds. Am I right? 
seven seconds. Seven seconds, we got dropped a second. Oh. And the other one, so it's like really old school punk rock, which is, there's only one original, and but I've never heard of them. Who's that? It's Battalion of Saints from San Diego. Battalion of Saints? Yeah, Battalion of Saints. That's Saints. Well, you're, you're down for it. I'm going to... Uh, to a, I'm a freebie, brother. I'm going to food, and I recommend anybody listening who wants to come down to Alicat Books, because they're going to be having an event there. It's called, uh, it's called The Last Tapes. What what time is that event running tonight? Seven. I don't know if it's going to run, but uh, seven after this. I'm walking over there. Oh, my back. I'm walking over there, and I think there'll be food. There'll be people. It'll be interesting. So, hey, brother, do what you need to do. It's really good to see you. I saw you uh, coming back and go on your way to many freight trips. I used to see you at the soup kitchen regularly where I was kind of the maitre d'. Is that right? That's right. I remember that quite well. Yeah. L- long way away. We used to have a vow. Well, we used to have, have you heard of the soup kitchen in the hate? Yeah. Back in the 80s, 90s, we used to serve. I was the MC on Fridays for the only open mic with a free lunch, or the only open lunch with a free lunch, plus the maitre d'. I'd, I'd be at the door when you got back from your trip and say, welcome back, dumpster. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Those were fun times. And there was cauliflower commune back then, too. Cauliflower. Right here on Shotwell. And also, who came, who showed up there, I remember, I think it was before, after about the same time. One day this band comes up, it's an obvious band, I said, who are you guys? I said, we're DRI, out of Austin. Well, welcome, I said, there's a good table. Then a couple of days later, I said, who are you guys? Well, I'm Dave Dicker, Dicker, we're uh, Millions of Dead Cops. And then the third one, I said, well, who are you guys, out of Austin? And I said, who are you guys? And the next one said, we'd be the, I'd be Gary Floyd and we'd be the Dicks. Am I right? Well, I was probably a little bit before my time. Was that back in the day of the Vats, maybe? That was 84. Yeah, yeah. I was just a little no, bit no before after, I got yeah. to town. That's right. But that's when, uh, that, that changed punk rock forever around here. Uh, Those good. guys, they weren't uh, glamour punks for sure. They were, but were, they had something else going on. Said, fuck the pick hops. Right. And, and you know, DRI is playing again in town pretty soon. Who? Saw DRI, they're playing in, I think, a week or something. Well, I saw a flyer yesterday. Well, I'm going to see Gary Floyd and the Dicks. I remember with one or two members, they come back there, one or two members. I'm talking about uh, a front, agnostic front. One or two members, bunch of old guys now. I wish them well, but my back is. So, hey, brother. So, it's so good to see you. Good to, and you're, but you're going back to... Uh, I'm going back up to Portland pretty soon, within a few days. With a few days, and you're going to, and you have a girl. They got a place there. Their girl's got her place, and you're going to, to talk about having her come down here. Is that right? Oh, I would love to come back and live down in the Bay, but it's not going to happen anytime soon. But she's got a it's job. A, she's working in the. Uh, yeah, my girlfriend. She's she's a vet tech up in Portland, so she's there, and she, I'm there. And she said what? She's a she's a veterinary technician. Oh, I see. Okay, so she's not working in uh, with the uh, hipsters. She's not working in Silicon Valley, Portland. No, she's, she's working taking care of animals. Yeah. Oh, Oh, well, that's great, brother. That's great to see the two of them. Well, hopefully next time you can bring her down. That would be great. I would like that. I'd love to see her. Yeah. Is she, how old are you now? How old am I? I'm catching up with you. I'm going to be 48 this summer. Oh, yeah, I got you. Only got, you only got 30 years on <laughs> I knew when he's, I knew when he's a 60-year-old punk rocker. I don't believe shit that. Seriously. <laughs> I do believe that. It's true. I, I think I'm as old now as you were when I met you. Something like that. That was yeah. in the 80s. Wow, and yeah. 30 years no, older. Right. You're probably 48 when I met you. Yeah, yeah something like that, because I was older than the other guys. Hey, what's that old guy? They'd say, because I'd be up there <laughs> doing my spoken word between bands and they boo-boo hey. Who's that fucker? Who's that old guy? I think, the first, place I, I think hey. the first place I ever saw you, I think, was at the farm, actually. 
on portrayal that was about later. 86. That was later. I was able to see it before too. But that time it they all knew me. comes full circle, huh? Full circle. <laughs> Once again. And the, and the circle continues. It's a spiral going forever up. It is. So, Dempster, what do you think? This is a fun show, eh? Yeah, this is great. Thanks for inviting me down. I'm glad I ran into, I ran into Barbara and she gave me your number. And Yeah, yeah I never, then this guy's texting back and forth. Yeah, whoever, I never whoever thought would have thought texting. that. That would text. It was amazing. <laughs> it is in Oakland. Texting. Yeah. And here, so here you are. Life is, hey, Val, life Life is filled with surprises. I'm so glad you're here, trying to holding it out. But anyway, Val. Well, certainly, life you, is full, full well of surprises. Did we miss anybody? I don't think so. We got a James Ellis coming up next oh, James. in just a get minute. There, James. Yeah, we're gonna play some music and take them get set up. So, uh, James Ellis, James Ellis, you can set up out there. James Ellis, are you ready? Can I hear me out there? Hello, hello. All right. I believe you were ready for you. We are ready for you. Go for it, my friend. Thank you for being here. Hey, Global Val. Meditation is the unfolding of the new, the new, 
is beyond and above the repetitious past. And meditation is the ending of this repetition. The death that meditation brings about is the immortality of the new. The new is not within the area of thought. And meditation is the silence of thought. Meditation is not an achievement, nor is it the capture of a vision, nor the excitement of sensation. It's like the river, not to be tamed, swiftly running and overflowing its banks. It is the music without sound. It cannot be domesticated and made use of. It is the silence in which the observer has ceased from the very beginning. The sun wasn't up. You could see the morning star through the trees. There was a silence that was really extraordinary. Not the silence between two noises, or between two notes, but the, the silence that has no reason whatsoever. The silence that must have been at the beginning of the world. It filled the whole valley and the hills. The two big owls calling to each other never disturbed that silence. And a distant dog barking at the late moon was part of this immensity. The dew was especially heavy. And as the sun came up over the hill, it was sparkling the many colors. And with the glow that comes with the rays of the first sun, the delicate leaves of the jacaranda were heavy with dew, and birds came to have the morning baths, fluttering their wings. So the dew on those delicate leaves filled their feathers. The crows were particularly persistent. It hopped from one branch to another, pushing their heads through the leaves, fluttering their wings and preening themselves. There were about a half dozen of them on that one heavy branch. There were many other birds scattered all over the tree, taking their morning bath. And this silence spread and seemed to go beyond the hills. There were the usual noises of children shouting and laughter, and the farm began to wake up. It was going to be a cool day. And now the hills were taking on the light of the sun. They were very old hills, very old, probably the oldest in the world, with oddly shaped rocks that seemed to be carved out with great care, balanced, one on top of the other. But no wind or touch could loosen them from this balance. It was a valley far removed from towns. And the road through it led to another village. The road was rough. There were no cars or buses to disturb the ancient quietness of this valley. And there were bullock carts, or their movement. Their movement was a part of the hills. There was a dry riverbed that only flowed when water, heavy after the rains, and the color was a mixture of red, yellow, and brown, and it, too, seemed to move with the hills. And the villagers who walked silently by were like the rocks. 
day wore on and towards the end of the evening as the sun was setting over the western hills the silence came in from afar over the hills through the trees covering the little bushes in the ancient banyan and as the stars became brilliant so the silence grew into this great intensity you could hardly bear it the little lamps of the village were put out and with sleep the intensity of that silence grew deeper wider incredibly overpowering even the hills became more quiet for they too had stopped their whisperings their movement seemed to lose their immense weight. Thank you, James Ellis, yeah, for reading J. Krishnamurti. And if uh, Bloodflower and Drift want to keep going, I've got a poem to share. This is called Luna Obscura. Call it the filter, the lens, or distortion. Clarity lands in belief of proportion. How squat is the mountain top? The bend of the silver line. How beholden the waters to an inner light. It's all within our limited sight. There is little depth to human perception, that is, of vision. All light bends, and we are deceived by the shade. The hue grabs our attention and leaves us suspended in our own dimension of what we think is true. To form the essence of our understanding, or pure curiosity at the magnitude we can detect but cannot see. Thanks for being here. I'm Global Val. You've been listening to the Common Thread Collective here on Mutiny Radio.fm, San Francisco. Check out our new online campaign through. Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O, if you want to support us. But you can come on through any Friday here from 3 to 6, and the Common Thread Collective will be here to welcome you and what you got to say and what you got to play and what you want to do. And just know that we love you. And it's been a real cool Friday. Happy spring. Happy National Poetry Month. And we've brought this to a real mellow state. By the way, I think I'm going to shock you guys on the way out and play some Sukus music since Richard Sandorell so eloquently put it earlier. Here are some of the rhythms you might want to get into. Let's keep spreading the love, y'all. Thanks for being here. And we'll see you next week.
Insomnia, anxiety, stress, chronic brain, depression, nausea, and can induce euphoria and stimulate appetite. I'm gonna guess waffles. <laughs> that is incorrect. <laughs> Actually, Alex, the food I'm talking about are cannabis-based medicinal extracts. Cannabis-based medicinal extracts? That sounds like you're smoking drugs, Ed. No, baby. There are smokeless, safe, and less expensive alternative to smoking. But can I use it to sleep? Yes, baby! Good, because I'm so excited by this that I may never sleep again! And it sounds like you, Alex, may want to check out the number 4AltaCalifornia.com. That's 4AltaCalifornia.com for a non-addictive, pharmaceutical-free alternative to smoking medical marijuana. Check them out today at number 4AltaCalifornia.com. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutinyradio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Yeah, you. You look like the kind of person who has a sense of humor. Oh, uh, is the radio talking to me? No, I'm on an internet podcast. Uh, I'm talking to an internet podcast? Don't be silly. It's a one-way form of communication. But I don't want you to miss out on the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2016 from March 2nd through 6th. And you don't have to. You can buy tickets now on universe.com with 24 national and international visiting comedians and 20 local hosts. You won't want to miss a thing. What if I can't be at every show? Don't worry. All shows will be available for free download at mutinyradio.fm until the internet falls apart. Oh, podcast god, I can't wait to listen to all these great comedy shows and everything else that's cool and mutinyradio.fm before the internet falls apart. You too won't want to miss a bit of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival from March 2nd through 6th, 2016. Buy tickets now. Brought to you by Subliminal SF, PBR, The Eagle SF, Brainwash Cafe, Asiento, and the great people at Alta California Botanicals. Have you heard of Subliminal SF? Visual and auditory mind control. Graphic design, physical merchandise, live music promotions. Go! www.subliminalsf.com. 
for the most amazing t-shirts you've ever seen. Graphic design for every need and live music promotion at some of the best bars in San Francisco. That's subliminal SF visual and auditory mind control. Go to subliminalsf.com now. Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that anytime I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere $5 every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because $5, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere $5 is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So then all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse, or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. <laughs> Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shit. From time to time, I've 